Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on TAP, we have Avengers Endgame, starring Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, directed by the Russo Brothers. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films, as today we close yet another cask. Uh, cask number five, Matt? Five into this endeavor. Yeah, wow, I can't, I can't believe that. They're, they're, really, they're really flying by here. But we're concluding our With Great Power cask with a pretty monumental conclusion in film, uh, Avengers Endgame, which is about a, a week old uh, as of this recording. So hopefully you've had a chance to see it, and judging by the numbers, you probably have. Like, my God. <laughs> One point, almost 1.3 billion cleared opening weekends. Yeah, that shattered the yeah, that's, They projected 900 million. Yeah, that's massive. Like, every theater was practically sold out. So uh, we are going to be spoiling this movie in our discussion of it. So if you haven't seen it, stop now. Go see it. If you have, you're going to, I think, really enjoy this discussion because... This finale gave us quite a bit to talk about, to say the least. But uh, before we uh, get into it, uh, we're going to start off as we usually do with uh, the flight. And, you know, you know, when talking about a flight, flight of whiskey, uh, today we are actually polishing off the rest of the 1792. And I'm with you. Like, I think I'm adding that to my collection, too. Like, it's got such a smooth finish, kind of a little intense at the beginning, but... Man, does it finish smooth, and you don't get that in a lot of bourbons. I think with the different bottles we've tried, each one has presented a different, very different flavor Mm -hmm. take. Um, And this one certainly is memorable. 792, this one, this this bottle's going in the memory banks as one to purchase again for consumption. Definitely. Leisure or otherwise. Definitely. So, in our flights, you know... We we tend to, you know, kind of rank things or give the best of or, or what we think uh, should be ranked first. So, Matt, what are we what are we flighting today? Okay, so this is the final chapter in this large phase of this Marvel challenge, mm-hmm. impossible task. Cinematic universe, like, the MCU. To, to get to this point is a miracle, to say the least. Like, if Iron Man 1's a bomb, do they even progress the way that they do? Like, maybe not. It's a good point. Yeah. 22 films? Is this number 22? 23. 23. So out of the 23 films that exist in the MCU, okay, I want you to give me your top three, your three best. Okay. So you do your, th- your third best, and then I'll, I'll follow up. Okay. This is actually a little, a little hard. I had to leave a few things out that I think pretty highly of. But I really had to go back to the basics, which I thought were just well-rounded stories, executing on acting, and then just overall just like the ones I enjoyed the most. So I actually have a tie for the third place. And it's because I couldn't pick between the two. So it's actually the first Iron Man from 2008. I think a great origin starter for the character and this entire journey that they were going to take. I mean, Nick Fury's... I came here to talk to you about the Avengers initiative started this whole idea of connectivity between films, which honestly, maybe before that, the only time it had really been attempted was the Universal Monster series and like House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula. Like, yeah, but in Costello meet the entire. Yeah, there's not like a real to kind of like parallel that. But I think, you know, it's crazy to think about now, but in 2008, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't a bankable movie star. And he just owns that role. He is Tony Stark. So 
that's the that I'll pick. I picked that one, and also Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I think a reinvention of the character. I give a lot of that to Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth for really trying to like play into the character's like ridiculousness. It's a really fun and enjoyable film that has a lot of rewatchability and some memorable characters like Hulk and, uh, and Thor as kind of sidekicks works very well. Like they should really kind of go to town on that if those guys aren't finished. Okay, so one of your ties for third is also my third. Look, I'll give you the Tony Stark argument. And I mm-hmm. think when that movie was announced, you know, people that had a history in the Marvel Universe kind of maybe went like Thor? I mean, went Iron Man? Yeah. Because outside of his work with the Avengers, standalone, he's he was almost filtering in B-list. Well, his best villain is the bottle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. His alcoholism. Demon in the bottle. Yeah. So I had raised a few eyebrows, and then they cast Downey, mm-hmm. who I know a lot of people don't know this, but you look back to the less than zero mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. to Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., and there is many, many missteps in there. Yep. So good for him to resurrect himself. Mm-hmm. And he does look like the character. Oh, yeah. But that's not my number three. Mm-hmm. My number three is also Ragnarok. Okay. There's a real fine line between the Kenneth Branagh Thor, which is regal and Elizabethan. And he's already built that way anyway. So when Branagh gets his hands on it and sort of plays that up. And there are some moments of levity in the first Thor film. I'm mm-hmm. not saying there isn't. No, oh, yeah. But the way Taika Waititi handles it and the brilliant performance is Korg in that film. Oh, yeah. Oh, that he, they, it's him. It's, it's him. It's I know. Taika. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, it's Ragnarok. I think I'm with you. It's ultimately rewatchable. It comes on. I don't ever find myself not wanting to watch it. Really well done with a character. Think about this. Mm-hmm. Had probably less sustainability standalone than Iron Man did. Oh, yeah. I mean, in the comic world, I don't know anyone that reads Thor. Yeah. Do you? Journey into mystery? <laughs> no, no one reads Thor. <laughs> no one reads Iron Man, but no one really reads Thor. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're in agreement on number three. Where's your number two? So my number two is actually going to be uh, from within the Captain America franchise. And again, I think a pretty okay first entry, you know, getting the character off the ground. You know, they'd been that had been in Devo Hell for years and it finally happened. But I think they, they, they took the right approach with the second film, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And the kind of political thriller angle they tried to take with that, you know, like Three Days of the Condor and all the President's Men and Manchurian Candidate. It has that kind of like political tension but with captain america and black widow like it it works on so many conspiracy like espionage levels it's almost like a spy film to like a jason bourne film uh to compare but i thought the action really got up to notch i think the russo brothers who had kind of come out of television from community and arrested development then really done a real big feature like this thought that was a real interesting choice for direction but i think that story just clicks on a lot of levels and you know this uh, the stuff with cap and bucky and you know introducing the falcon who we've talked about at length like the falcon's pretty ridiculous in the comics yeah they found a way to make him cool cool right i i like anthony mackie as sam wilson so number two winter soldier i loved arrested development Mm -hmm. and i think if the russo brothers could project themselves from arrested development to what they became there's no way in hell they came up with like we're going to finish up this marvel franchise with these two huge avengers movies i know yeah uh this one's a little tougher for me Mm -hmm. could be between a couple um i think the first avengers film is a very noteworthy movie oh yeah insofar as it's the first time we'd really seen maybe since star wars Mm -hmm. an effective ensemble team-up piece yeah 
here's the drawback to the Avengers. And nobody mistake me. Yeah. I love that film. Mm-hmm. If we were going to do top five, it would make the top five. Yeah. The villain kind of sucks. And it's kind of the collateral mm-hmm. damage. Lots of waste that we can lay to nameless baddie that looks like every other baddie. And if you don't mind me saying real quick, last week we talked about Electro being in the dunk tank. Loki's locked up in a glass prison for the middle of that movie. Yeah. Kind of a problem. I don't mind the Loki piece. I mind like this, the worms coming from space. And I, I know what that meant and like what that was getting to and the end sequence. And I get all that. Yeah. That's the thing that keeps it from making mm-hmm. the top three for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you the other version of that okay. that had really great villains, yeah. which is Civil War. Yeah. The villains were the heroes. Mm-hmm. And what that did, especially think with the environment, mm-hmm. politically as it is and was and, and, and still continues to play out, mm-hmm. there's lots of siding on who's Fourth Amendment versus... First Amendment versus mm-hmm. yeah. 14th Amendment. Yeah. And if you guys want to look those up, I would even throw the Ninth Amendment. If you guys <laughs> want to look those up, you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah. The uh, the way that played out and whose side and who you felt aligned with was fantastic. And it just needed yeah. itself with the exception yeah. of the Winter Soldier sort of being the driving element between them. Mm-hmm. And with that, you got a nice introduction to, oh, so Spider-Man is going to be involved. Mm-hmm. See Black Panther for the first time. Yeah, it was. They had to introduce that as well. So Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. your second mm-hmm. would probably be my fourth. Mm-hmm. Avengers would probably be fifth. Yeah. This one is my number two. That movie for me is watchable as Ragnarok is and rewatchable. Yeah. This one's got it beat by a little bit. Yeah, that one's real solid. <laughs> and I think what's really nice about that when you read the entire Civil War mm-hmm. epic in mm-hmm. the comic mm-hmm. comic book world. It's gigantic. I mean, you got everyone from Reed Richards to The Punisher to Robot Thor. <laughs> like, it, there's a lot going on. I kind of like how it's the same ideas, but much more smaller and contained. Maybe I'm kind of hinting a little bit about, you know, kind of my one, one issue I had in Endgame, but less is so much more. And that airport scene when they all kind of clash is kind of echoes that sentiment. They could have brought literally every side character and every which what into that scene, but they didn't. There was some restraint held back there. And I like that about that movie. Even the way Crossbones, who mostly is a non-character in the Marvel Universe, I mean, he's a character, but no one cares about Crossbones. Yeah. As the crux that sort of launches that into what it is, Mm -hmm. and Wanda Maximoff's inability to contain that blast is pretty much what happened in the comic book too with the who's it the young avengers no cannonball right yeah blowing up that little city in new hampshire yeah yeah <clears throat> so they I mean, they they handled that in a way that was i think really good and in the universe because rumlo had already been introduced so we were already familiar with him and oh, what yeah. he'd become like it very one of the brilliant pieces in this MCU is the seamless transitions and the way Things all fit together. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect example. Yeah. Who the hell gave a crap about Brock Rumlow? <laughs> he was just a Hydra agent. Exactly. Nope. He wasn't is gonna be the one that launches an entire type major story. Mm-hmm. One of the five yeah, ten biggest stories in all of the Marvel entire oh, comic yeah. book top, world. Top three. Sure, right? Civil War's huge. Yeah. And they handled it, although different, mm-hmm. equally well. I think perfect adapting to film. Yeah. Like that was the perfect scale for that movie. All right, number ones. Uh, want me to go first? I want you to go first. All right, so 
on paper, when you kind of read the synopsis of this film to someone, there's no way in hell it works. Like, it's so busy. You have to introduce a villain who we've seen only in cameo. You have 30-plus characters that you want to kind of have equal opportunities to kind of shine. That sounds like a disaster and an unenviable writing job, I'll just say. Like, how do you make that fit? Uh, but it fits. And on all cylinders and I, I i had so much fun watching this film in the theater and i think of all the marvel films actually i think it has the most rewatchability because of kind of how what they do with the characters and the action pieces it's avengers infinity war there's no way in hell that film should work like it's it's got so much going on and so much to do establish establish a thanos he has to steal the stones everyone's separated wakanda and titan and earth and uh, yeah, just so much. But man, that's a fun movie. And I think the curse of Endgame in years to come is actually going to be how brilliant and how the stakes got raised with the infamous snap moment. It's just so much to live up to. It's literally the equivalent of the Empire Strikes Back, Luke, I am your father. God, you just took the words. You <laughs> bastard. Sorry. You took the words I'm right sorry. out of my mouth. I'm sorry. Right. It's also my number one. Yeah. There's not a boring story arc or thread in that film. Mm -hmm. The acquisition of the stones by Thanos is handled with such brilliance. Mm -hmm. Even Thor going to build Storm Chaser. Yeah. Is that what's called Storm Chaser? Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Yeah. Sorry, Storm Chaser. Yeah. Stormbreaker. Even handling, like, even that's interesting. Mm -hmm. There's not a bad moment in that movie. Yeah. And like you said, bringing them all together and finding a cool way to introduce them. Thanos' minions from Ebony Ma to Corvus Glaive. Mm -hmm are superbly done yeah the vision's really great in that film mm -hmm. and that's a trick mm -hmm. like i think the vision looks interesting on celluloid like on screen yeah but to make him matter which kind of brings up some questions about like what exactly is wanda into yeah because he's a robot <laughs> exactly so we'll get into her a little bit too yeah but you here's here it is though the in infinity war mm -hmm. is the same as mm -hmm. luke i'm your father mm -hmm. which for me as a kid was the first time a movie had ever left me and rocked me for essentially a year till or two years till yeah. Return of the Jedi came out. Mm -hmm. This wasn't as long a wait. Yeah. But the question then became for all of us, and how are they going to get him back? How are they going to fix that? The same way as like, there's no way Darth Vader, yeah. Darth Vader, Vader, father. How, how are they going to wrap up that story? Is he really his father? Yeah. So here's my question. Maybe this is, so we agree that it's Infinity yeah. War. Yeah. Does that make Endgame, Return of the Jedi? I, yes. think, I think so. I think maybe in the collective conscience right now, I think everyone's on an Avengers kind of high because, you know, it's come out. Everyone's got to see it to like kind of know what it's all about. You know me. I like to play the waiting game with films. I, I, I've mentioned this with the film Whiplash. Like give that film some age. Man, it's going to age well. Yeah. Give these two films and they're infinitely tied together till the end of time until we're both gone as a two-parter. We're going to have that comparison, the Empire to the Return. Because think about it. Return has a very distinct three-act structure. Yep. Uh, the Jabba Tatooine, the Endor Moon kind of heisty type okay, thing. You brought it up. I'm going to ask you, though, because I think this is the perfect perfect segue okay. to what, what, you're trying to get, what I'm trying to have you get me to. Okay. For you, mm -hmm. in Return of the Jedi... Yes. What's the deal breaker that keeps it from being perfect? It's it's really it's everything on Endor. Mostly the Ewoks. And the though. Ewoks too. That's So I'm gonna pose mm -hmm. that as much as I like Endgame, mm -hmm. it has a very clear 
Ewoks bit mm-hmm. in it too. Yeah, and we'll I think I think a very similar final act as well. Yeah, but yeah, let's get into it. Matt, are you ready to enter the quantum realm? Been waiting for you since 1950. <laughs> okay, excellent. Raise I'm it a, up, Peggy. I'm a little scared. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's happy hour time. Let's get to what everyone's here for. Let's get to our breakdown of Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame opens up with our hero Tony Stark and Nebula floating aimlessly in space and in a nice kind of soliloquy to his helmet to be found one day by Pepper if she is still alive. The message in a bottle. Yeah, the message in the bottle, his last will, his final, his final, you know, you know, speech is don't mourn for me. He's like, "I, I will think about you. Like, you mean the world to me. Because it's kind of it for him. They're about, they've run out of gas. You know, they're about to be out of food. Oxygen. Oxygen. You know, the works. And and I think done, you know, you know pretty well. As they're kind of floating, everyone was kind of wondering, well, how are they going to get, how are they going to get back first of all? And, you know, you kind of time that up with Nick Fury's pager. And I kind of don't know the time events of how long they've been floating in space. But um, they're picked up in tow by Captain Marvel, who's returning to Earth from Nick Fury's page that something big is going down. So she brings them back to Earth. And honestly, one of my favorite bits of the movie is actually Tony Stark reuniting with the rest of the Avengers for the first time in, in a while since the fallout of Civil War. And man, does he really let Cap have it. He's like... Tells him, where were you? Yeah. He counted on you. Where were you? I tried to build a defense shield around the earth. You stopped me. Mm-hmm. You let us down. Uh-huh. And you know what? He's right. Yeah, he's totally right. And I got I got to confess something just on the podcast right now. Captain America, just the kind of the character in general, kind of irks me a little bit just yeah. because he's like got a lot of self-righteous, maybe kind of like Superman. Yep. He's really perfect. He's a lot of self-righteousness and that kind of gets in the way of the ultimate goals of kind of working as a collaborative one man's ideology has to you have to gel with the rest and through the fallout of civil war and age of ultron and infinity war i gotta tell you right now i love how they portray captain america in this film yeah me too he's maybe maybe my favorite character in the film primarily because of this ribbing that tony gives him because in the reaction that chris evans gives you kind of get that he's like shit like i think he's right had we been together maybe we stood a better chance but and through his kind of dealing with the events of the snap i think we see his mindset change he's like you know what i gotta do what's right to put this team back together and you know the way it kind of plays out that collectiveness comes back and it's it's more about the team and less about him and his path that's always been a fine line with cap in all the films which you're talking about this strong moral compass in him mm-hmm. that at times is annoying yeah but it's never to the point where it turns him into a villain no no but it, it, like it could very easily do that yeah there's a couple missed opportunities in this film for me with like how they could finish the arc of him being not quite so self-righteous yeah but i'll kind of even give you as much as it in some ways 
is a bit off-putting. Mm-hmm. It's also what gives him what I think is his best moment in the film. Mm-hmm. And it's pure fanboy foreplay. Yeah. Right? With Mjolnir. Yeah. Like the whole... I don't know about your theater. My theater lost their minds. Oh, yeah. He's worthy yeah. because he's almost... Or maybe not almost. Mm-hmm. He's as full of himself as Thor is. Yeah. And maybe that's what you need to pick the hammer up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you. Mm-hmm. And you. But this Talking was, about you. This was the scene I'd been waiting for since Civil War, where literally the last time they saw each other, he was plummeting his shield into Tony's chest. Yeah. And this is the moment we get in. Tony doesn't hold back. Like, it, Well, he shouldn't. Yeah, and he, yeah, he definitely shouldn't. He's like all messed up and like kind of like on death's door. And this kind of get, clicks them like... In a very hubris, like, well, we need to react right now. We got to do something. So the remaining team, you know, Thor, Widow, Hulk, now Captain Marvel, uh, you know, they got Rocket and and, and Nebula and all, and all these guys are going to go make a, a final strike to go get Thanos. To do what with the gauntlet? I don't know what. Here's something I want to know, and maybe it's said in the comics or maybe you can explain it to me, Matt. I kind of don't understand the power of... Of the collectiveness of the stones, why does a snap melt away half? Why half and not all? Like, it's like, to me, the rules of the gauntlet are very kind of fast and loose. So even if their idea to go use the gauntlet to bring everyone back, how do they know how to do that? You know what I mean? Like It's a question that I've asked myself for years. I've read that comic plenty sure. of times. I think it has to do with the Mind Stone, Jesse. Okay. I think if if that that gauntlet is mm-hmm. just a harness for all of space, power, time, blah blah blah, mind, soul, if that's if that's the the way to harness all of the power, yeah, then what you can do with it has to start with the origin of idea, yeah, has to be the mind and desire, right? Mm-hmm. So the snap, it doesn't have to be a snap; it could be a tongue click mm-hmm. or, but you know, a sneeze, whatever they they just do's to do it okay. in a snap. Mm-hmm. And I think the time element and the soul element, which obviously brings in the death and the time element, which allows you to sort of control mm-hmm. what's going on around you. Um, I can't tell you how they know exactly it's half mm-hmm. unless the mind stone is powerful enough to recognize like, oh, it means that it's my wielder yeah. means half. But for me, that's where I've always gone to. Yeah. Of all the stones. That makes sense. I think the soul stone yeah. is the most intriguing as far as what it can do. Yeah. But I think the mind stone, mm-hmm. and I'm this is I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about this because this is something I want to get to in a little bit. Yeah. I think the mind stone is the most important piece of the infinity gems. And I'm sure there's fanboys out there that if they want will hammer us with emails. Clearly, you're idiots. You don't know better. Hammer us. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, that's a circular discussion that we'll never solve. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only answer that I can give you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's this, and so it's this. Okay, yeah, yeah. humans' innate desires, kind of like genie's lamp, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they go to Thanos' little shack, and he's just trying to live his best, like uh, farmer, Southern Florida, like retirement life. <laughs> he got his little shirt on. I mm-hmm. loved, I loved it. <laughs> can I ask you about what did you think of that? Were you okay? This sort of burned, crispy version of Thanos who has taken on the power of the gauntlet. Were you okay with that? Well, his arc essentially was complete from the last film. Right. This was his ultimate goal was to end up at this point and he got there. Right. So if Infinity War is kind of about Thanos and him trying to decimate half of the population in the universe, this film's about the Avengers trying to rectify that. 
So they do away with him quick. You know, Thor whacks his head off with Stormbreaker. Well, when they find out that the the gauntlet's been destroyed, which is what they want to use to bring everybody back. Okay, and here, okay, here's something else too. If these stones, and they mentioned this in Age of Ultron, the Mind Stone had the enough power to level like the planet essentially. Yeah. How did Thanos destroy the stones without it destroying him? Like. A lot of the problems I have with this movie is the stuff that's not shown to us that maybe should have been. Because the stu- if I would have seen it, then I, I can get behind it, a suspension of disbelief. But what the- how's he doing that? You know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah. Six of them. Not just one. I use the stones to destroy the stones. Here's my other thought about that. What if Thanos isn't wrong? I mean, I think that we can look at, they call him the Mad Titan and he's so crazy. And I'm not trying to say that he's not violent and that his, the way he comes to solve his problems is not through drastic, dramatic, dire consequences. Yeah. But the lack of available resources Mm -hmm. for a population that has an unlimited amount of wants and needs, that will never cease. Mm -hmm. So basically what he's doing is he's balancing population and needs and wants with available resources. He's literally an economist in this film. Yeah. And if he truly does, and I'm not sure, I still haven't made my, my final decision on this. If he's so noble to destroy the gauntlet to prevent temptation further, mm-hmm. I know what Thanos did yeah. is harsh. Yeah. But is he really a mad as in crazy person? I don't think so. It's pretty... Yeah. Well, and so that's that's one possibility. The other one is: Do yeah. you think, yeah, with everyone that he just destroyed in the snap, yeah, that he actually would have destroyed the stones? Because I'm almost wavering on like I don't think he would have. Yeah. I don't know. Regardless, we we show up whatever that is, and that is the story. That is the thing, and I think the film does a very brilliant move after this that I did not see coming at all. We flash forward five years, right? And you know. Now some time has passed where we kind of get to get in late and catch up with the heroes and mm-hmm. see what they've been up to. All kind of dealing with things in, I would say, very different ways and some that I like better than others. Uh, Cap kind of leading support groups. And Don't him, even get me started. Him coming, him coming, but him coming to terms with, I can't shake this feeling that we could have done more. Again, Tony's ribbing getting to him and... You know, Black Widow, kind of the sole person trying to keep any type of light alive with with the heroes that are kind of scattered all over the galaxy right now. The big sister trying to keep everybody at least within conversation tone to each other. I love it. And then, uh, you know, Jeremy Renner, who we forgot to mention, the film opens with him and his family kind of, you know, vanishing. So we kind of see how that affected him. And he's taken on the persona of Ronan now, this, like murderous kind of archery warrior samurai guy yeah Yeah. and and then and then ban i'm just gonna say it right now i kind of i professor hulk's a little bit ridiculous like banners come to fruition that it's he's been able to balance the two personalities into one seamless personality that's able to think as banner but the strength of the hulk like ah that's that one's a little tough for me so with all that, yeah, there's there's a lot that, that's in that. Let's do the Hulk thing first. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what the plans for him are. Yeah. And Marvel's been pretty tight-lipped about what's coming after Guardians because it's a 10-month hiatus, and it's needed. As we I, all need a break. And as I've told you, too, Universal still owns half of that character. 
So, which half? The the monster banner? Or, hold, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> um, Good one. Okay, so you know how much I love the Universal Monsters, mm-hmm. but you know that I mostly don't like werewolves. Yeah. Because werewolves in this shape of wolf become singular creature with one thing, which is not at all what it plays out on screen yeah. compared to like what a wolf does in real life. Mm-hmm. They run in packs. They protect each other. Um, very protective and you get wolf werewolves that just go eat people mm-hmm. okay so werewolves suck yeah okay they could be cool but there's very little they can do the hulk prior to professor hulk mm-hmm. suffers from the same thing because mm-hmm. when the hulk werewolves out or transforms when banner transforms under the hulk mm-hmm. he does one thing instead of eating people he smashes. smashes yeah and that is a very very non-developable yeah story arc so they fixed that it is a little bit comical to see green glassed hulk walking around i do agree but to that Mm -hmm. again i don't know what the plans for him are but i guarantee you there are plans for him going forward otherwise it wouldn't have sure sure yeah it does at least solve the werewolf problem okay so that's the one thing yeah here's what i really liked about the post snap five years Mm -hmm. later this is my favorite part of the movie too by the way okay i'm with you actually we're in agreement on this yeah if the Avengers franchise is launched mm-hmm. in Iron Man 1, yeah. then consider this. It obviously is going to end with him later. We'll yeah. get to that. Mm-hmm. But he's actually happier. Now that he, I mean, he had his blow up with Cap, all grievances have been aired, and he's pretty happy with Pepper and his daughter. Yes, I love this. Yes. And so I'm going to ask you, Jesse, mm-hmm. was Thanos right? For Tony... The answer is, at this point, yes. For everything that Tony has struggled with, and I'll be honest with you, actually, Tony Stark's character is my favorite in this entire cinematic universe. Just his portrayal from his first movie of being an affluent playboy to being kind of cursed with this thing and then kind of doing some good with it, but then having that kind of affluentness through the whole thing. Here, it's totally gone. He's seen... The shits of the shits on Titan, where Thanos literally threw a moon at him, which I love that sequence, by the way. Oh, yeah. But he had to see Peter and Peter, Peter, Peter Quill, Peter number two, all kind of wither away in front of him. And I bet Peter, uh, Tony was wondering in that moment, why not me? Why wasn't I chosen? Kind of a thing. I think that's a very solid take, but I'll also say, I think at this point, mm-hmm. That's as happy as we've seen. Uh, yes, hands down. So, <laughs> I guess, I mean, I asked you rhetorically, because mm-hmm. the answer is obviously, for Tony, yeah. Thanos was right. Yep. And as the, the the heartbeat or the soul or the, the genesis of the Avengers, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that the man who the series was birthed from yeah. is having to kind of come to terms in his own way. This is everybody coming to terms. Mm-hmm. Like, man, things are simpler. There's not so much stuff out there. Yeah. And I kind of like this family gig that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I'm Tony, and and that, uh, you know, my, I love the scene mm-hmm. when he's, Daddy, tell me a good night story. And he tells her, mm-hmm. and she says that she loves him 3,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. It, it, that was moving for me. Yeah. You know, like, oh, my God. Yeah. It really was because that's. As content, and I have not seen in all of the iterations of Iron Man in the entire film, yeah, the sincerity that rocked him the way that that line did mm-hmm. in that movie from his daughter, yeah. And give a nod to Downey, raise it up for Downey, yeah, that Downey. Scene. This is... he fucking kills that scene, yeah, so good, yeah. Like 
top three scenes for me, mm-hmm. that might be one of them. Yeah, that's that's good, and it's the linchpin. I think it makes you know his eventual outcome all the more kind of you know heartbreaking the way the way it all plays out. But no, yeah, this this is the life he's never knew he wanted. Yeah, and he doesn't realize you know how much he loves it, and he doesn't want to give it up. So. You know, in the middle of all this kind of recollection... And, the only thing that's missing from that scene yeah. is like a simple man by the almonds kind of playing sort of quietly. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. That. Well, I, I, like, that would really play well there. Let's plug that in there. Yeah. So in the middle of all this, in some abandoned like warehouse, in some janky-ass van, mm-hmm. this is kind of convenient. It kind of, You know, I hate kind of contrived conveniences. <laughs> this stupid rat... Let Scott Lang out of the quantum realm. He's been in there the last five years. It's only been like five hours to him because of shit we're gonna get into in a second. They couldn't have found a cooler way to get him out of that thing. Like it was, it was a rat crawling on the dash. Like especially when you cast Ken Jong. <laughs> yeah, why didn't let him be nosing around in there, getting nosy, and pushes the button? Or if the Ant Man theme is all about theft, someone tries to steal the van. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they hit like, what does this button do? And he just shoots out the back. A rat? Okay, let's get out of that. He gets out and he's kind of seeing this post wrecked San Francisco that has all these memorials set up of the disappeared, and he's on the list. Immediately goes home and his daughter, who's kind of the, like again the Tony Stark thing, it's been a close relationship for him, mm-hmm. is like 18, 19 years old now. Yep. And Scott's next intuition was like, shit, what happened? I need to go to the Avengers. I need to go to, you know, the people that have the ability to do something. So through Scott, through Scott's experiences being stuck in the quantum realm, he concocts this idea that they can use the quantum realm to go back and reverse what happened. Yikes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. (sighs) Okay, so look. I think at this point, you know, we're going to be reintroduced to like the impact of what all characters' actions, or Th- including Thanos, yeah. have resulted. And we're going to get to the Thor thing in a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got to figure out what we're going to do to fix this. Mm-hmm. Two problems. Okay, I agree with everything you said about yeah. the rat bringing Scott Realm back from the quantum, or yeah. Scott, Scott Lang back from the quantum realm. Yeah. Did you find it a little convenient yeah. that on his holodeck or his graphic organizer that Tony Stark figured out time travel in about 10 seconds once it was sort of posed to him? Or <laughs> I'm sorry, not time travel. Whoops, excuse me. Quantum realm travel. Okay. Because I found that to be a little bit contrived. And granted, I don't want to watch him fail and fail and fail. But it's like, okay, so let's get on with it. Okay, so... When you start messing with time, Mm -hmm. whether you want to call it paradoxes or the butterfly effect or parallel dimensions, Mm -hmm. you essentially get to a huge problem. And I'll just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag for this part. One of the biggest no-nos when you're writing is to have what at the end of the screenplay. It was all a dream. Yeah. It's not it was all a dream. But it's not far from it because if in previous time periods, which is what it is, I know the Russo brothers came out and said it's an alternate dimension. It's 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 not. It's not. It's yeah. the time inside this reality we're going to call A. So mm-hmm. let's establish that now. Yeah. This reality is called A. Mm-hmm. In reality A, all these other things sort of spin out into reality B, C, and different times. 
you can do whatever the hell you want. Mm -hmm. Just like there's no consequence to what happened the same way it happens with the exception of Inception in a dream. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And we all knew it. Like, oh, they're going back in time. Quantum Mm -hmm. realm. We all knew it. We all knew it. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's, I think, an insurmountable challenge. Yeah. Because those guys are smart and really good writers. Yeah. For them to do Infinity War and every how we were just praising it 15 minutes ago yeah like i think play fast and loose with the rules but before we jump head first into that quantum realm with our snazzy quantum suits yeah they finish assembling the rest of their team you know natalie goes and gets uh hawkeye ronin from tokyo japan uh banner and rocket go and get thor who's thor's now like (coughs) 100 pounds overweight playing video games in new asgard kind of like he doesn't really care either he's like this is my life now and all i want to do is just drink and just do whatever comedically again they found the comedic angle with thor with chris hemsworth and i think in in part to taika watiti too that really make that character work because again he is so regal and zealous and just so over the top in the comics and every cartoon i've ever seen him in have some fun with it they certainly, he turned into Jeff the Dude Lebowski practically. <laughs> Literally looked like just exactly. He was wearing the sweater. Yeah. So they finish assembling their team and, you know, everyone's kind of on board with what they're calling the time heist now, except for Tony. It takes him a little extra convincing, but eventually he gets on board because you're right, he cracks it in, in a night. <laughs> Comes back, gives Cap his shield. They kind of patched up a little bit, but not quite. You know, there's still some there's still some rift there. But they agree to work on this other for the benefit. And he tells her something. He tells him something important. We do this, but it can't affect the daughter that I have. Yeah. Which obviously means it's going to. Yeah. Which is there has to be a level of consequence to this. Mm-hmm. We mentioned the Mind Stone a little while ago. Yeah. Here's what I really wanted to have happen at this point. Mm-hmm. So if prior to or post-snap, the Avengers half-heartedly hatch this plan, which is let's just show up and take the gauntlet from him again. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me if they think that that's going to work. Yeah. Right? Because it's just not. Mm-hmm. If he has the gauntlet, then he can forecast what's coming. Now, they don't know the stones aren't missing. Yeah. Here's the thing that I thought they really missed. Okay. I know Wakanda is not the same Wakanda that it was. Okay. But when they were trying to remove the Mind Stone from the Vision, yeah. they had the blueprint for it. Yeah, to like construct one. Yeah. Why not make... I know people are like, well, they didn't have the Time Stone. Like, don't give me that bullshit. Yeah. There's nothing in this movie that doesn't play fast and loose with physics. Yeah. So don't give me that. Yeah. You're trying to... T- and I know Shuri's not even there. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They have the diagram, mm-hmm. the blueprint, whatever you want to say, the data algorithm mm-hmm. for a Mind Stone. Yeah. Can't you use that in the heist for the gauntlet to get the gauntlet? And then you basically still have a battle for gauntlet and control and what that's going to be. And it takes this whole messy time element out of it. If you have the Mind Stone, you can use it on Thanos because he won't expect... Or You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they just totally forgot about that. Yeah. They had a weapon. I actually never thought of that angle of... Of attack, but that's that's pretty good. And like them, because like Jesse, a snap killed half of everything. Yeah. And these half cocked with like your, you know, threw together plan in five minutes is going to show up to 
Thanos's farm. Yeah. And think that that's going to work again? Yeah. You, he just handed all of you your asses. Yeah. Just it's not going to work. Let the guy ranch on his farm. It's all he wants to do. So I find it, a, again, and it sounds like, oh my God, Matt's going to be the first person we've talked to that doesn't like this film. That's not true. Oh yeah. I'm just saying, I think that it was a little bit palatable. Yeah. For the audience. Mm-hmm. And maybe necessarily contrived. Yeah. To have it destroyed. Yeah. Because then you've defanged the werewolf of Thanos. He's just, he's kind of pussy Thanos. Yeah, let me just say right now, for all the strengths and they did of building him up as a terrific villain in Infinity War and his motivation and the shit he does and puts the heroes through, honestly, the worst character in this film is actually the betrayal of Thanos. No argument for me at all. Beheaded within the first 10 minutes... And then the Thanos that we get to deal with later is actually past Thanos. Young Thanos. from Who hasn't done it. So he doesn't have the same history with them trying to undo his plans. It's the... the rushed. Th- rushed and immature. Yeah, it's the... And ru- I'll add one more to that young Thanos. This yeah. is getting way ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But to that, since we're kind of banging on the Thanos arc here... Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. He destroys Avengers Tower, Avengers Mansion, yeah. and then just sits there and tells Nebula to go get the gauntlet. I'll just sit here. Come, come on. Yeah, what's he doing? Thanos would really... Thanos is going to just sit there? Mm-hmm. Not even young Thanos. He has more energy. He's younger. Yeah. I just... Uh, it, yeah. That to me is just really troubling, Jesse. Yeah. All right, this is perfect. Okay, so I think we've reached the point here. We finished this 1792. I had to whip out the Duncan Taylor here. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt, we're about to jump headfirst into the quantum realm. It's about to get interesting, to say the least. And for all of those that uh, haven't seen the movie, stop listening. Go see the movie, damn it. But Yeah, that's on you at this point. Get out. When considering time travel in film, there's a few that really, you know... Hit me pretty close. We've done like Die Hard. Oh yeah, no, Die Hard wasn't time travel. Die Hard wasn't time travel. Let's time travel those sequels. (laughs) Um, There's a few that really, and we've done one on this podcast, The Terminator, and then another film, Back to the Future. And I want to throw another one in there that I think handles it brilliantly, without me questioning a lot of the actions. And that's About Time. Oh my god! If you haven't seen the film About Time, it's on Netflix right now. Please, Richard Curtis. Domino Gleason and Rachel McAdams. It's not a chick flick. It's a film about a guy that can, uh, his family lineage can travel through time, through, um, if they just think about which time they want to go back to. But there's, here's the difference there's consequences in his version of time travel. Right. Done brilliantly. Yep. Okay, Matt. Please go see About Time. All of our listeners, please go see About Time. Yes. So the Avengers assemble in this new makeshift lineup and now with the ability to travel through time. But Matt, you got to hit me with the line too. Before they travel through time, Professor Hulk kind of spins it for us how this is going to play out. Tell me what he says. Blah, blah, blah. From all the movies that have ever done time, they've all got it wrong. Here's the gospel on time according to Professor Hulk. Okay. Your past becomes your future okay stop right there stop right there just start to decode that in your mind this is the equivalent matt stopped me a couple weeks ago when we talked about the soil of a man's heart is stonier and we didn't know what that meant what the hell does that mean right like it's your 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 past becomes your new future like how that's like putting on an album by the beatles 
side two of Meet the Beatles and listening to it again and saying, this is the future. You already know what happens. Yeah. Just because you're listening to it again mm-hmm. doesn't make it the future. It might make it mm-hmm. your new present. Yeah. But the other part of that line that also could makes this even more convoluted mm-hmm. is, okay, if the future, no, if the past becomes your future, then the future becomes your present. Actually, neither of those are right. Mm-hmm. Both of them become the now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because you can only be in the moment. Yes. Like you and me, Jesse, according to Professor Hulk, yeah. you and me right now yeah. are living our future. Yeah. Are you living your future right now? No, I'm living. No, you're, you're li- living the moment. The present. We don't. We can't know the future. Right. And yeah. if you went, like Jesse, at this age, version of Jesse, if you went back to like senior in high school, Jesse, yeah. you still wouldn't be, you wouldn't be living your future. Yeah. You'd be creating your future from the past. Aha. Uh-huh. Which is the butterfly paradox thing that this movie just in one stupid line by Professor Hulk yeah. tries to just brush off the table. Yeah. Cause it's honestly a plot hole. It's, it, it's a problem that, you know, if, and think about, I love this example of me going back to high school. What if I go back to high school and I, you know, meet someone that, you know, I eventually marry what happens to my current wife? You know what I mean? Like, that's a, an unalterable future, a now. There has to be consequences. And this film plays so fast and loose with nothing happens. Like, we can go back and steal these things. And as long as we go put it back, like... Oh, don't even get me started. Okay, so. okay, so let's talk about the plan of the time heist. So the plan <laughs> of the time heist is go back and steal all six Infinity Stones. Right. From 2012, the Battle of New York... From 2013 to Thor The Dark World, like, my God, this film made me rewatch that film. <laughs> to 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy. Power Stone. Power. And then 2018, the Soul, Stone. the Soul Stone. Right. So there's three in 2012. Yes. So we got Stark, Cap, uh, Ant-Man, and Banner going to steal the, the New York Stones. We got Thor and Rocket going to Thor The Dark World. We got Nebula and Rhodey going to... A steal from Peter Quill, so Morag or whatever. Yeah, Morag, and then we got in a Vormir, in Vormir, which I think that one's handled the best. That one is definitely handled the best, and I, it was. It's tragic that it had to be the two of them that they you know had such ties to each other. Okay, so let me give you a couple of thoughts on this. I think at this point, the Russos are recognizing the difficulties with time travel, so they're trying to simplify it. And kudos to them for that. We have, or at least I've talked on this podcast a couple times mm-hmm. about how I'm not a fan of prequels. Yeah. Okay, so the problem with prequel is you take less developed character when the stakes are really high in sequel, which would be original, but sequel to the prequel, which would be the original film. Mm-hmm. And you take it, if that's a 10, on the dial, the prequel becomes 7. Yeah. And Thanos's acquisition of the stones in Infinity War mm-hmm. is Awesome. Every one of those scenes is fantastic. Yeah. From turning Drax and Mantis into cubes and ribbons to all, all of it. Yeah, right? the bubbles out of Quill's gun. All of it. It's, yes. It's, compare the Thanos acquisition of the stones yeah. in Infinity War to the re or the time heist theft of the stones in this film. And each one of those is significantly less compelling than that and how do you do that yeah. in a movie that's supposed to follow yeah you've it's impossible i'll just say it right now it's, a, it's it's the prequel curse you can't get away from it i would have this is how i would have done it i would have written my cliffhanger for infinity war first written this film and then gone back and get to that thing i would want to have this one figured out airtight before i you know 
give them this crazy cliffhanger because that's the problem. It's just, it's so big. And here's Marvel's problem. We've seen Infinity War was probably like film 20 or 21. 21 of these movies and not one real significant character really bit the bullet other than Agent Coulson and like Thor's mom and like some other secondaries. Right. You with me here? I am. There should have been some collateral along the road to Infinity War. Yep. That way they didn't have to kill everybody. Yep. They could have killed some and it it, it would have had an impact. Mm-hmm. I think this was Marvel's answer to, well, there's never there's never any consequence because everyone kind of walks away scot-free from all of these films. That word's really important. Yeah. If you don't have consequence to the actions, yeah. then you devalue the entertainment experience for the person who's being entertained by the film. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you that I was not entertained by this film. No, I yeah. totally was. At this point in the film, I'm trying to, I'm like buying into it. Yeah, I'm too. But the second they start filling around in New York, I'm like, oh God, well, there's, there, there's shit happening here that it like, Okay, so let's just get into it. So Hulk goes to the Ancient One who's at the Sanctum Santorum, who's the current version of Doctor Strange guarding the Time Stone, trying to ward off the Chitauri invasion, which we didn't see in the film, but this is kind of like a cool little side thing. Had you gotten to the bathroom in this scene, the Ancient One spins another version of time travel that you taking the stones branches my timeline off into an alternate timeline. She's given the Doc Brown speech from Back to the Future Part 2. Like, I've seen this before. Okay. Um, So let's remind everybody that the reality that we exist in and the Avengers exist in in the film is A. And let's just talk about the... the, In in film viewing mode, the only reality we care about is A. A. Yeah. Right. It's the only... And even the time heist exists in A. Yes. Those are all A stories. They're identical. Right. Yeah. They're taken from the previous films. Yes. Unless that was then established as an alternate dimension or universe reality, and it wasn't, that is all A. So she does that really interesting visual where she shoots um, an infinite beam of light and says, this is the time stream. And then she spins the stones around and says, when you remove one of these stones, you create a branch off the time stream branch that is a divergent possibility. Okay, so check this out. Mm -hmm. That is also infinite and linear so the events that are occurring in time stream a from the branch also occur in the same time frame in branch b so if you take six stones yeah or return six well take six stones Mm -hmm. you've created at a minimum six different branches yeah here's where it gets even wonkier Mm -hmm. every date Post jump. Yeah. So like if you jump back to 1970. Yeah. Every date forward has a potential to be another branch from the branch. Mm -hmm. So explain to me two things. Well, more than two things. Explain explain this to me. Yeah. If in one of the... in, In reality A... Yeah. If you fuck it up yeah. and you have to travel back to 1970A, mm-hmm. then you've created a branch inside a branch that you have to fix the third branch to correct the second branch so that you get a the, the a branch. What the? No, it's a mess. It's okay. a mess now. And, and that's just one time. That's just the time heist. Yes. When Cap is going to go back at the end and return him. Let's save that one. <laughs> then that's exponent two. Yeah. 
And there's a whole other third possibility to this as well. And you just have a complete mess, which none of it has any consequence. It kind of sounds mm-hmm. like a bad dream. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No consequence. So, you know, they, they go about it. It's turning into a comedy of errors. You know, they they, they, they start fucking up the, 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 the time heist and... And already a big problem that never got addressed ever again. But Loki makes a way, captured mm-hmm. Loki from Battle of New York, makes a way with the Tesseract. Which is, I guess, how he gets, Thanos gets it from him in Infinity War? No, because... Because no, 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 six be- years prior. No, because Loki was on the ship with them at the end of Ragnarok. Like, this is <laughs> like, this is a thing that never, he just disappears and we into an alternate branch that never gets, I don't know, what the hell. Uh-huh. And then Cap gets, and then again, again, why I like Cap in this movie, he's shed his kind of nice guy. He meets present Cap, past Cap, <laughs> sly, you gotta be shitting me, like... It's great. I love these lines coming out of him. Okay, but that's a missed opportunity because as Cap has sort of now been introduced to, dude, your self-righteousness is so oppressive and gross. Like yeah. the line, although he said, I can do this all day, the line shouldn't be, I can do this all day. The line should be, man, I'm so sick of your Boy, Boy Scout dick. Yeah. Like that, it should, there's, you know. You know what he should have said? They should have ripped the line from, because he's like 80 years old in this version of the movie. Uh they should have ripped the line from Lethal Weapon, I'm getting too old for this shit. Because he is. He's like an 80-year-old man. Right. I just... I mean, he, he acknowledges it, but he doesn't acknowledge it in a way that's self-deprecating. And I just thought that was... It's a, a minuscule, little bitchy point. Okay. But it's... It, but he least, gets at the, least he's got America's ass. Yeah, he's got America's ass, and he gets one of the stones. He gets the scepter, the mind stone. Uh, but they, they they screw up the the space banner uh, brings uh, the ancient one down saying Doctor Strange said this was gonna happen so oh, well if he was supposed to be... can we talk about that for a minute uh, sure yeah <laughs> okay so let's let's not worry about all the branches and then the branches that pre or that post jump date that branch from the branches because that's that's just a mess okay the ancient one is this really powerful thing that protects yeah this very powerful stone. And essentially, a rational discussion with Hulk is what causes her to give it up in a line that says, Doctor, and he says, Doctor Strange gave it away. So why'd he give it away? And that's what sways the Ancient One to give this green man, well, ghost of a green man, yeah. astral plane version of a green man, this time stone? Yeah. Okay, and so where did we first, in the original... Like, when did we first get introduced to the Time Stone? In Doctor Strange. Yeah, Doctor Strange, yeah. Remember all of the battle around Doctor Strange and the Time Stone in the initial movie? Yeah. Dormammu and Baron Mortal. Yeah, all that. So, again, prequel. Yeah. Okay, think about how Thanos acquires it. Mm -hmm. Okay, same, right? Same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the final stone that he acquires at the end, like the most dramatic of maybe all of them. Yeah. And this is like, hey, can I have that stone? No. Well, let me tell you why you should give it to me. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, you can have it. What? Yeah, and then we're done with it. What? Yeah. Yeah, so we go from we go from that to them screwing up Loki escapes with the space stone and they have to go back further now to a time before Loki had it to 1970s shield military base. Okay, now remember because they're in 1970, all of these sequential events which would be the other six remaining stones now are affected by this branch. Mm-hmm. All of those other six stones are now on a branch that now stems from 1970. So you have a huge problem. Keep going. 
So they go to 1970s thing to steal the the thing the the space stone that Howard Stark has extracted from the ocean after the events of Captain America: The First Avenger. And I'm sure glad Hank Pym was there working on the Pym particles because if had they fucked that up, there'd been no way for them to get back. Right. That was like their we got to get those too. Right. So they steal the Pym particles. He gets the Tesseract. I think Tony again the character pieces that aren't involved with time travel fantastic work what like him and oh, his yeah. dad i love this bit so good because like the the whole tony and the daddy issues has been played out in iron man one and two and civil war and this film done expertly well john slatterly plays howard stark so good i love i love it yeah he does and then cap gets his little moment too where he spots peggy there yeah and he kind of sees and he's got there's a picture of him on on, on her desk and he. There's a moment in that scene where he's looking at her and I could almost kind of like read into his mind where he's like, fuck the time heist. Mm -hmm. I'm staying here. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Interesting that that the Boy Scout has that moment. I just saw it in the eyes. Like whether that's true or not, I just kind of saw this moment where like, oh, no, Jesse, for sure that's in there. Yeah, absolutely. That's in there. I want that more than than this. That's a really cool moment because you're like, maybe... The Boy Scout mm-hmm. has feet of clay. Yeah. And Again, humanizing him a little bit. It's right. making him interesting for me. Through in selfish this... temptation, and, and deservedly so, as much as that man has sacrificed in the series, yes. he should be able to fall in love with this woman that he's crazy about yes. and spend his life with her. But, but, oh, he will, and oh, does it make things so much more complicated. So he, should I, have, he should have stayed right here. Can I just ask you a question? Can we go, like, as we're talking about this, can we go, I just, this occurred to me. Mm-hmm. With the ancient one, mm-hmm. if she doesn't give Banner the like, here's the branched alternate reality. Yeah. Or even if he does that and he just says, "Who cares? We exist in this one." Mm-hmm. Don't we solve all of this other branched reality nonsense? Like, mm-hmm. and. Yes, there's going to be a consequence, but look, Ancient One, you and I are in the here and now, right now. All you can care about is this. I want to give you a sour mash right now. So for those of you jumping on late to the podcast, Matt and I will occasionally do sour mash film, which is taking the good elements of the film and turning them into something... Bad elements of the film. The bad elements of the film turning into something better. Yeah. Here's how this should have all played out. Instead of, you know, and I have two sour mashes actually. My second one's better. If you wanted to go back in time to recover stones, you should have went the realm of parallel dimensions, which the idea of that is in dimension B, if we're in A, you're a different version of your current self. If they go back to the 1970s, wouldn't it have been pretty badass if we saw Howard Stark, but he was Iron Man? Oh, yeah. So versus badass. Tony. Mm-hmm. And maybe when he we go back to, we see Steve Rogers at that same military base, but he's actually married to Peggy. Mm-hmm. He got to have in that reality B, they got to be together. Howard's Iron Man. Maybe Bucky's the, 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 the Captain America. Maybe Loki is the chosen, chosen son. Brother, yeah. We see different versions of alternate versions play out to the same emotional effect. And then we kind of get rid of this BS of traveling through the same timeline. Okay, and to that, what's even better about that yeah. is you create <clears throat> opposition mm-hmm. that is rivaling Thanos' opposition in Infinity War by the characters around the Infinity Stones in those parallel dimensions mm-hmm. 
fighting our good guys. Yeah. You get the best of Civil War. Yep. You get a new take as Bucky as Cap and all the other stuff that you just went over. Yeah. And you have something that's better than like a rational discussion about the Green Time Stone where the chosen one yeah. says, yeah, you're right. Here, go ahead and take it. You get something better. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I already gave you my Sour Mash, which was you have the blueprint for the Mind Stone. Make it and use it. I got one more and I'm going to save it to the end because it kind of takes time travel out of it altogether. Okay, I'm probably dying to hear that. Yeah, let's continue on this time high. So we got Rocket. So we're in 1970. No, no where are we? Let's now? get the hell out of 1970. Well, they, so he gets they get the Tesseract. Yeah, he comes back. So we have the Tesseract now in tow. We have and the mind, the Mind Stone, and we have the Scepter. We have all those three. And things then the, in the, tow. the 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 yeah the Scepter, the Mind, the Stone. Space Stone, the Mind Stone, and time. and the Time Stone. Yeah, okay, so got those we, three. We got three. We got three to go. So we okay. head to my. Favorite film of the entire MCU, which is Thor The Dark World. Oh, you hate that film. Exactly. So I'm like, Jesus, we're back here again? Mm -hmm. So this is interesting. So, you know, because the power... Was this power? Uh, Red, ether. Um, Let me look up. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, yeah. So they they have to extract it from Natalie Portman's body because it's kind of enveloped her, her being in the middle of this movie. They get it in the middle. Thor gets to have a nice moment with his mother, which kind of brings up this power that he is still worthy no matter, you know, what timeline or what version he's in. But, you know, they have to extract this thing. And again, a huge problem later in the film when you have to put the stones back to where you got them. Reality. Reality stones, yeah. Is someone going back to this exact moment and re-injecting her with the red goo? Yes. What the hell? And it's Cap. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Bullshit. Yeah, that's that's a, that's weird already. So let's get out of there, and we're going to Guardians of the Galaxy 2014. And I, I thought a pretty funny moment, too, where Nebula and Rhodey are spying on Peter Quill doing his red bone, come and get your love dance. <laughs> and he's singing it, and then they cut to them, and he's just, they just see him singing to himself, which is hilarious. It's a great moment of comedy. They conk him on the head. They take the Power Stone, the purple Infinity Stone, and they got five of the six. Here's a huge problem with this, though. If this doesn't happen, we never get the Guardians of the Galaxy right. forming. Right. How does Rocket and Drax fit into this? Right. And Rocket's already in his own little thing here. Great point. Because there is no Quill to get arrested because he doesn't have it. Yeah. Now, the Russos tried to say, oh, no, no. The you know entry into the Quantum Realm and then the reemergence from the Quantum Realm changed... The reality? No, it didn't. It's still in timeline A. I guess the biggest moral of this separate... Wait, wait, hold on. Hold, let me finish that. Go ahead. And and there's even an inconsistency in this. Because when Gamora is introduced, mm-hmm. we get the younger version of Gamora, who was not killed on Vormir, and she has taken on the, perso- the, the persona of the non-Guardian Gamora in this film. But yet, Quill never has the arrest and then never forms the guardians and we still see the latter day version of the guardians it's inconsistent into what the consequence there's that word again mm-hmm. the consequence of what their actions in the past are because the consequence of that is ego would essentially consume all the planets in the universe because right. they're not there to stop him right again uh yeah yeah the the, the the issues that come up and then we're introduced to 2014 version of thanos which again huge problem this is a thanos who hasn't taken the work to acquire the infinity stones he doesn't know what his ultimate destiny is at this point and he just kind of through nebula's wi-fi glitch in her ai Mm -hmm. 
figures they're doing something. They're talking about something I already did. Okay, I'm glad you, you, you took the words. Yeah, that's bullshit. The fact that she just gets a projection from her eye in a glitch, and all of a sudden they just happen to be present to hear it, and they start putting the pieces together. Mm-hmm. First of all, Nebula plays a huge role in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know a lot of people that are huge Nebula fans. So it can be whatever it wants. She actually wields the Infinity Gauntlet in the Infinity Gauntlet story. Right. And I thought that was maybe where they were headed at this point. But no, she's just going to be... And how does someone in 2020 share the same network as someone in 2018? Yeah, how did they lock in? And, like, what even is the network in a quantum realm, quote, reality that's not time reality A? Was, she, so, was, she was a second from going back to 2023, but then she got glitched out and brought Thanos to the present. Like, it's so contrived. And, again, we're dealing with a lesser villain. Right. Ar- made, arguably, there is no villain in this movie. Thanos is just there. You've made Thanos... He's a cardboard cutout. ...reactive instead of proactive. Yes, and I hate that. Yeah. I really hate that. Yeah, no, you're right. That, to me, and I meant to say to you earlier with this. Yeah. Like we open up with Stark after the Hawkeye thing. We open up with Stark and Nebula. Yeah. And you don't know it, but Nebula, prob- I bet you mm-hmm. she probably has the most third or fourth most screen time in this entire film. I, probably. You got to. She's as much driving this film as Ant-Man is. Yeah. All right, let's, we're gonna, okay, so, let's all right. get the hell out of Guardians of the Galaxy. So then, <laughs> What's well, we, a fair point, though? Yeah, yeah. A lesser villain, There's the villain presence is just an idea of what he already did. Which, if that's the thing, I want to go back and watch the other movie because it was done way better in that one. Yeah. Nothing's worse than a weak villain in a film. Okay, Roman. That's why... <laughs> Malachith. Again, let's get the hell out of Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor the Dark World to one more. Mm-hmm. Vormir, mm-hmm. the Soul Stone. Again, th- and this is the trickiest one to get and, to put, get and to put back. Right. Because it's a soul for a soul. Red Skull's the judge, jury, and executioner up on this mountain saying you have to give to get. So, again, tragically, it's the two best friends. It's Natalie and, and, and Hawkeye, Clint, who all kind of in a kind of an interesting way kind of like jockey for who's going to sacrifice themselves to like the point of almost comedy. <laughs> yeah. And it's Black Widow. And then tragically saying, let me go, Clint. Like, Can I ask you a question about that? Sure, scene? go ahead. I, I like that scene a lot, yeah, too. Yeah, I yeah. Thought of all the reacquisitions of the stones, that was my favorite. Yeah. Does that scene work better if it's Black Widow and Banner instead of Black Widow and Hawkeye? Obviously, there's the well, romantic angle no, but, of them having to do each other. in Because then, oh, let me compose one thing. Okay, yeah. That means Hawkeye's having the discussion with the Ancient One. And he seems a little bit more Ronin like sneaky to go like again. We're trying to get conflict exactly. So he sneaks into the Sanctum Sanctorum only to be undone by the Ancient One. That could have been cool. Like, but, but then the Banner Black Widow thing is like so forced, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Okay, so no for you, because that's what I wanted. I think it works. But it still works. It works how it is. It still works. I'm not saying it doesn't. I think for me, Banner in. It's God. This is crazy sounding. It's a bit, a little bit Romeo and Juliet esque. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and there's not going to be as much sort of uh, battle back and forth between Banner and Black Widow as there is Hawkeye or Ronan in Black Widow. Um, and we get, I think, what's 
Yeah, pretty tragic moment in the film. Tragic, and then they lament for about a minute, and then it's kind of like they kind of forget about it. So, nah, like, like the, the movie's got so much in it that you can't even, like, there's not time to grieve for the character. Kind of again at the end. Right. All right, so they have all six at this point. Do you um, feel exhausted? I, I found, like, mentally, you know, I was having a good time watching the movie. I was laughing. I was, like, on the edge of my seat. But mentally, my brain is cooking at like at a spinal tap 11 at this point yeah. and i'm just trying to make this all like click in my head right and i'm like i'm getting like a headache at this point i think i did get a headache in the in the movie actually <laughs> that's the entire second act of the film okay so then another huge issue so we get all the six stones back to earth back to avengers mansion upstate new york poughkeepsie <laughs> wherever they're at <laughs> um poughkeepsie. they got the six stones and these six Infinity Stones are able to fit onto one of Iron Man's armor gloves. And I got to stop you after I just said that. They went out of their way mm-hmm. in Nedavalir to make an Infinity Gauntlet because it needed something, the power of the sun, to harness the power of the stones. But Iron Man's little little hand is able to harness that. What the hell? I, I don't have an answer for you. Why didn't they send Rocket on his own little quest to make their own gauntlet? That could have looked their own version of whatever they wanted it to look like. Or this gets back to what we said earlier. Don't destroy the gauntlet. Oh yeah, perfect. Just keep it. Take the other gauntlet that you cut off his arm in the first one. Like, wh- right? So like yeah. way back in the very like first 15 minutes. Again, the suspension of disbelief. Before Thanos is decapitated, he's de-armitated. De-armitated? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Oh, I love that word. Patented Rice Smile <laughs> Film circa 2019. <laughs> Don't steal that. But they just leave it. And it, was it not functional because it had been blown up by the... Ah, nah. Yeah. Just, just grab that one. Yeah, so I got a hard time buying that Iron Man's armor can harness the power of the elements of the universe. Yeah, me too. I'm calling bullshit. No, me too. So Hulk puts it on because he's the only one strong enough to harness the power to elicit the snap. He does it. And then... I think they shouldn't have done it, but Clint's already getting a phone call from his wife indicating that she has been returned to... He's been paying her cell phone bill for five years. (laughs) I stole that from my wife, by the way, but it's a good point. Very... Okay, okay, yeah. So, check this out. The snap for Hulk works, and here's the difference between Hulk snap and the time travel piece. Okay, so a common trope in writing is the fish out of water. So when you take a character that's... Marty McFly. Right? You take a character that's not familiar with the environment and immerse them in it you watch them flounder and from that you get story okay hulk snap creates the return of all these people we hope yeah in a fish out of water five years post your disappearing snap Mm -hmm. so you can make up five years pretty quick and mostly the world still looks the same the difference between hulk's fish out of water and the quantum realm is when you do the quantum realm, go back through the time, blah, 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 stuff we talked about. Mm-hmm. You change the fish. The fish doesn't even need water anymore. Maybe the fish has wings and breathes air. <laughs> Maybe the fish has fur. Maybe the fish has a Russian accent and, you know, dances a jig on Thursday night at, uh, you know, the jug band cover, whatever bullshit. Right? Yeah, yeah. You've changed the entire structure of the fish. Yeah. It's such a huge and obvious mistake mm-hmm. hulk snap there's some things like the yeah, phone yeah, yeah. hulk snap works because you just come back in the same state mm-hmm. what they did with the quantum realm you don't even have a goldfish anymore you just created a koala 
And there's no such thing as the koala out of water. Yeah. And I don't understand how the Russos can figure that out. And then... Uh. Here's the most frustrating part of the Avengers Endgame to me is... I can't... Well, I don't want to be telling people the plot of the movie if they haven't seen it yet. But once you do if they're see... they're listening at this point, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late now. The movie's ruined. Uh, if you've if you have seen it though, it's really hard for me to like have a conversation with you about it because we have to talk about the plot, and it's messy. It's it's the chummy water and jaws like it's all messed up. Yeah, and I don't have that same problem when I talk about Back to the Future or Infinity War. It's a story about Marty McFly going back in time and. His mom has the hots for him, but that can't happen because he'll disappear. He's got to get his parents together. That's the plot of the movie. It's so I, it took me five seconds to tell you. It's taking. It's going to take us nearly an hour and a half to two hours to tell the plot of this film, and that's fr- that's frustrating. Again, less is so much more. This is a very overcomplicated plot to undo the undoable burden of a great twist. Right. That should be the definition of this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So the people start. Coming back, they start calling Clint. And 2014 Gamora pin particles back to 2023, bringing 2014 Gamora with her. 2023 Gamora comes, or uh, Nebula comes back too, but not before 2014 Gamora can bring Thanos' spaceship to 2023 Earth. Mm-hmm. Blow Avengers estate to shit. Yeah, so we get the great moment like, oh, they're coming back and the birds are here and all of a sudden they just get missiles rain down on them. Missiles rain down on them, yeah, and they're being flooded out. They're being, the the, 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 the the creatures are coming back to chase them down. And then again, Thanos sitting on a rock outside the rubble, Nebula, go retrieve the gauntlet for me. And he just sit. What are you going to do? I'll wait. I'm going to sit here. And he's just, and then the, the, the main three, the, you know, the, 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 it's the, the big how this series started. Yeah. Thor, Cap, and Iron Man go like, what's he been doing? I don't know. He's just been sitting there. What the hell? Like, right. So they're going to attack him like the three on one. And again, this this is kind of ridiculous too. Three, oh, Thanos without Infinity Stones is able to handle them immaculately yeah. without a scratch on him. Thanos with like five Infinity Stones has gets it like Tony like gives him a run for his money mm-hmm. the inconsistency here is all over the place right so then like it looks like everyone's about to be killed and then Cap's like kind of like the last stand but then all the Doctor Strange portals start opening up they look like I have an Apple Watch and whenever you beat like an exercise move goal it looks like the Doctor Strange circle mm-hmm. <laughs> all these things start popping up all over the place and everyone starts coming back because Doctor Strange saw this one moment. Right. And he knew he had to bring everyone back here. So we can't nitpick like how Doctor Strange knew to get everyone and bring them into this Okay, moment. so Hulk snap worked. Everybody's come back. Yes. And here's the... I will say this. At least at this point, we're in the final battle sequence. And I'm at least interested, at least in the action at this point. But can I ask you this, Matt? Because sure. in weeks prior, you've had a hard problem with the physics of action... In Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Into the Spider-Verse. Geography. I got to tell you, as cool, it's fan service. It's fanboy service. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fanboy too. I read these comics just like the rest of you. Yeah. Been doing it since I was five. I got, it was so hard to focus on one thing because there's, you got 50 characters and three are, you have the Asgardians and the Wakandans and 
you have so much. Oh, and I, the, the time travel Doctor Strangians. You have so mm-hmm. much going on. You can't focus on anything. And each character gets like a two-second bit and then they're on to the next one. Like there wasn't enough to like really get attached to. Again, why I say less is so much more. Mm-hmm. It's why I like the little kind of sporadic moments in Infinity War. It's why I prefer the Battle of New York in the first Avengers because it's six of them. Yeah, it, This is busy to the nth degree okay i don't yeah right it's super busy Mm -hmm. and you get little snippets so like after avengers tower comes down the hulk is basically keeping um roadie and rocket rocket from being crushed ant-man shrieks we come to find out later like okay he's gonna turn into giant man and he's gonna rescue them and i think all that works and then we don't really see much of ant-man in action except for like punching out one of the chitauri like space worms yeah and then, like, that's kind of everybody. Mm-hmm. And then they get... Okay, so now the gauntlet is, like, Tony Stark's armor is back in play. Mm-hmm. It's on the battlefield. Yeah. Which I'm not really even totally certain... And this is stupid, too, though. Why you would even bring it? You know, you, you should have left it in the ground. This is stupid. Like, all the work they've done to go get the time stones to reverse what they did, they're going to create the same thing again if Thanos gets his hand on this thing. Like, right. they've created their own demise. Real stupid moves on everyone's part, by the way. <laughs> and so then it's, let's just get this thing the hell off the battlefield. And it becomes like this relay race, which is Black Panther and Spider-Man. And, and Spider-Man doesn't like to wear his mask apparently anymore. Like. You know, all of that. <laughs> Ultimately resulting in lots and lots and lots of collateral damage of insignificant characters. Yeah. Like... Thanos' minions come back and most of them bite the dust again. Mm -hmm. And they were really good in the first one. Like, I thought they put up a very formidable matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Corvus, Proxima. I was going to say Corvus and Proxima versus... Cole Obsidian and and, um, Corvus Glaive. So, they just get, like, I think uh, Obsidian Cole or Cole Obsidian or whatever, the Dark Elf, gets stepped on. That's the end of him. Yeah. it's, it's too much to focus on. Like, it reminded me a lot of Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. But, like, the point of that scene isn't to show, like, just all the shit going and hitting the fan. The point of the scene is, like, what's happening in between Frodo trying to destroy the ring? There's still character elements in play. Here is just, Jesus Christ. Well, what I was going to say is... Did they venture into DC territory at this point? Yes. Dare I say? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I think Zack Snyder ghost directed this scene. Yeah, this is the Zod doomsday nonsense. And I know the fanboys love this, but like me, like personally, like I'm not for this. Okay, so the idea is we've got to get rid of this Mm -hmm. before Thanos gets his hands back on it. So the idea is, oh, let's put it back in the time travel van, which has been housed at Avengers Mansion and somehow has survived the debris and is just kind of off on the side. Oh yeah, that's... (laughs) Convenient. So the Wasp and Ant-Man get in the van, they turn it on, and they open up the portal to the Quantum Realm to dispose of mm-hmm. the um, gauntlet. But before that, there's a really important moment, and that is Wanda Maximoff, fan of mine, like my huge Scarlet Witch fan, versus yeah. Thanos. She's got it. Mm-hmm. It's curtains for him. Yeah. She's got him in the air, and the truth is, 
of all the you know of all the discussion about Captain Marvel and she's the most powerful, yeah. and I would make the case that the Scarlet Witch has actually got them all beat. And I want to make the if case she could ever just figure it out. No, that's her thing. Hold no, on, no. she doesn't need to figure it out. The writers and Kevin Feige need to figure it out because they well, don't they don't know what to do with the character. They don't, and even but even in the comics, part of her her problem, and again, the movie is not the comics. We have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. But that is consistent. Like she can't quite figure out exactly how powerful she is but she's got thanos by the short and curlies he's in the air and she's ripping off his armor and just crushing him and then he says rain fire and they is it ma is ebony ma Mm -hmm. i think ebony ma hears him and says but what about our troops he's like just make it happen Mm -hmm. one of his minions does and the turrets from his gun turn down and they just start shooting the shit out of everyone ah and then we get the contrived moment that it's so upsetting to me. The return of Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, remember the most powerful entity in the Marvel Universe? And here's the problem too with that too. Is... Deus Ex Machina flies through the ship, destroys it, and like, oh yeah, I forgot all about her. Uh, let me ju- let me just ask, to, like again, I don't know if they necessarily know how they're tackling the Captain Marvel angle too. Like, it's like she should have been there with them for the time heist. God, I hate saying that word. <laughs> like... Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. It, the end is there's just so much going on. It's just so busy. It's just character to character. You got a three second bit. Get in your little bit, and then we're on to the next one. Peter's got his little thing, and Tony's got his little thing. Thor's got his little thing, and they're switching weapon. And like I can't focus at this point. To Marvel's credit, though, that scene when when Captain Marvel shows up, and she's sort of flanked on all sides by the great female heroines in the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you this. It also made, for me, that Captain Marvel movie so much less important because you realize at that moment, you know what? This universe is really stacked with a ton mm-hmm. of powerful women. Like, that scene is really cool. I like that scene. Mm-hmm. But it also makes me think, like, yeah, this Captain Marvel character, we didn't, we didn't need her. And we didn't need her to show up at the end. Like, you're the god of thunder. You're trying to tell me lightning wouldn't do the same thing? Of course it would. Yeah. Have you not seen Ragnarok? Yeah, so so Iron Man and Thor are not... Iron Man and Doctor Strange make this connection where he kind of puts up, like, one finger and he's like... We're in it. They have a moment where, like, he's like... We're in the end game. He's like, this is it. You're in it, yep. And I think Tony realizes, like, shit, like, it's me. So well, you, f- you forgot they try they they Captain Marvel has a like little punch out scene. With he has Thanos. a punch out scene, and then Thor and Cap have their like kind of punch out scene there to kind of like they're kind of like almost going to decapitate him, and then like they get thrown to the wayside. So it's come on Tony again, and in a moment that I felt should have like hit me in the stomach like a gut punch, Tony grabs the the Infinity Gauntlet. And Thanos says, I am inevitable. And Tony says, I am Iron Man. And does it. And decimates him and his minions and his army. And you know what? I wanted to feel more power in this scene. And I feel like they should have done two things here. To, you know, like, you know, everyone in the theater was crying. But I guess not me. I'm, 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 <laughs> the only movies that make me cry are Rocky 1 and 2 and 6. So there you have that. <laughs> but, like, I thought they, they missed a moment to really flashback to tony and his dad and in civil war and him not telling him goodbye before he leaves on that vacation where they got killed right and then him going back to that moment that you talked about earlier where he says i love you 3000 and i love you too and and, <laughs> and this and that well there's a couple missed opportunities in this whole sequence, and man that scene would have hit me 
in the gut had they kind of done that and he just kind of snaps his fingers and peter comes and he's all sad and pepper's all sad and he's he he, he can't say anything because he's all like so he's looking like the human version of what happened to thanos after his snap yeah charred and messed up and here is an unforgivable sin mm-hmm. his eulogy his parting line mm-hmm. is given by pepper potts jesse it's got to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. It has to be. Yeah, Captain I thought that America. was a missed thing too. Like him no not- one, literally no one, yeah, gives a shit about Cap- Pepper Potts' rescue. Yeah, no one cares about that. Yeah, and for her, like Gwyneth, it's Gwyneth Paltrow on top yeah. of it. For her to show up and get the final line to Tony, I know that he's a family man now, and that's his wife. But his family, frankly, Mm -hmm. is the Avengers. And it gets a nice moment between him and Cap that is so, so, so needed and not fulfilled by Pepper Potts. And she says, you can rest now. Fuck you, Pepper. Yeah, no, here's how it should have happened. Steve should have ran up to dying Tony and he he should have said, Tony, we did it. And then Iron Man should have been able to speak at least and he should have been like, together. Any of those things would have been Echoing better. that idea that, like, we'll lose together, we'll die together, we'll, we can only win as a team. Yeah, or no, something no, no, along no, the lines no, of, no, it was to- yeah. Tony, I'm sorry I let you down, uh, you didn't. You know, I mean, so, like, some, because the relationship between the two of those has been a major part of the story, and the Pepper Potts and Tony Stark mm-hmm. mostly has it. Yeah. Yeah, blown opportunities. <laughs> so we have Tony's funeral... We have the tie-up of all everyone's storylines. Thor's going to go team up with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which could be pretty awesome if I'm just saying myself. Uh, you know, Banner and Hawkeye, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing. Before we get to Cap's crazy time return, his layaway return. <laughs> Can we talk about that funeral procession for me? The... Sure, go ahead. Okay, so it's, it's everybody in their respective teams watching as Tony Stark's... Um heart <laughs> and it's alan silvestri's score from castaway this is the composer of the movie but like he ripped the theme from castaway go listen to it sent off on a little floating flower bed and so you get all of like from marissa tomei to the kid everybody from Iron man three everybody jesse mm-hmm. please explain this to me mm-hmm. how in the reflection of the glass behind nick fury mm-hmm. did they not show stanley yeah pretty missed huh are you fucking kidding me? No, they blew his cameo in the 70s during Time Heist. They th- love not war. But like, then but then again, Nick Fury, like... <laughs> dude, come on, Why man. didn't he give the eulogy? He was the one that brought him into this whole mess. Even if we go from floating um, arc reactor to all the people back to floating arc reactor, and even in the reflecting pool, you get Stanley's face. It's just... It, actually, in the movie, I was like, oh, that's, that's so wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, to not send him off the same way, what are you going to say? Oh, we don't need ghosts? No one is going to care. Yeah. Like, as much as his death is important, as far as Tony Stark's death is important, mm-hmm. so is Stan Lee's, man. Yeah. And that would have been a cool moment. And that's just such, that is that is swinging from the heels on 3-0 and fouling out. That's what that is. All right, so let's get to it. I think we've saved the best for last, and coincidentally, it's at the end of the freaking movie. So one last thing that needs to be done, and it's Professor Hulk's, you know, bit with the Ancient One that all the stones had to be returned to the place they were stolen from. So Cap has willingly volunteered to be the conduit to do this. 
he goes, Bucky and Sam and Professor Hulk watching, and he goes, and he's gone for, I don't know, 10 seconds, comes back as an old man, like 90s, he's sitting on a bench over there, gives Sam the shield to become the new Captain America, and, and Falcon and Bucky are getting their own TV show on Disney Plus streaming network. But man, let's talk about how the hell this is all possible because one of the things Cap got to do as we see in the parting shots of the film, he got to have the married life with Peggy. Okay, so he did take a few Pym vials with him. He stole like three or four. Yeah, probably from the return of the 1970 Tesseract. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. After losing it in the 2012 version of the Tesseract. Did he go back and have his life with Peggy and married in children? Because in 70s, I think she was married and had some kids. And she's probably in her 50s at that point. Did that happen? Or did he go return the stones first and then go live that life? But hang on. Here's the problem with the whole damn thing. Even if he goes back to any of those, he's going back to a timeline that had already happened. There's a frozen self existing already. Now, here's the thing. I've heard before, well, that's a cap that, you know, didn't have, he wasn't Captain America. I'm like, bullshit. If he's big dancing with her, he had the super soldier serum. Right. So obviously he survived not crashing the plane and he defeated the Red Skull. So obviously he's messing up the timeline there to be with Peggy. And live out that life, which is now, according to this movie's rules, the new future. Because that's the old version that shows up to give Sam the shield, right? Right? Absolutely right. And to that, I'll add one more to that. Let's go back to 2012 when he gets the scepter from Loki and he ends up fighting himself. Yes. At that moment, there's three caps in the same place. And the Russos had a really easy way of getting out of this saying, guys, there's been two Captain Americas in A right now. The whole time. But nope, there were interviews last night were like, no, it's a different cap. And they, I mean, what would have been really cool is this whole time, Cap knew what was going to happen from A. He went back, relived his life with Peggy in A. And the other A that was already there continued his existence out of the ice, reincarnated 1970, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2018. And you create a nice time loop because a line that is infinitely long is essentially a circle. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so you create the time loop and it's solved and that's how tony stark solves the whole paradigm of time travel is he creates a circle jesse yep. if you watch that sequence you have a chance to do that but instead you get like cap and i don't even begrudge his selfish choice to stick around with peggy and it's just what be he's together. always wanted it's what he's wanted and yeah. he certainly deserved it but to show him at an aged state five seconds after the cap that we've spent the whole movie with jumps back in the quantum realm. Yeah. Now we get 40 years older. And then even in that, there's some really stupid lines. Like Falcon essentially asks, you want to tell me about Peggy? And like a line that could be really Captain America-esque could be, as much as I loved the Avengers, she was worth it. Mm -hmm. But instead it's like, we're tired of writing this. And he just says, no, I don't think I will. Okay, so, so, so yeah, so, so what? Here, here's some things too. The, what? I mean, the, I'm not saying you need to kiss and tell and tell. Well, you should have seen on night. Did it? Like what? No, I'm no, not yeah, saying exactly. That. So, the, so there's some big problems already. Just oh, on yeah? on Cap going back to return the stones. 
he could probably return to all the New York Stones again, running into three versions of himself, and he's got to inject Natalie Portman with with the Reality Stone again. I mean, a rocket's there at that time. Yeah, again, it's it's, it's just weird, and now he, they got to explain why he's there now. And Rocket would remember that because. His future is his past. And again, at the same time, I don't know why we care about returning because the only timeline that matters is A. Right. Okay, yeah, so why even bother returning? Okay, first of all, and then, then the la- the most difficult one is the soul stone. It's yep. a soul for a soul. Yep. Not only does Cap have to go back up to that mountain yep. to return the soul stone to the moment that, uh, what's her name, made the sacrifice, Natalie, Black Widow... The freaking Red Skull's up there, and the last time I checked, you know, they weren't exactly on the best terms. Like, how's that going to go down? Exactly. Break some bread and just bury the hatchet. The time re- deposit back to the bank is so ridiculous, and I can't believe it's the ending scene of the movie that if the time travel bit, like, I was willing to kind of give, like, okay, you made your own rules, and I'm willing to give all this the benefit of the doubt, this is just, like... You okay? Here's the you can't have your cake and eat it too, like this is ridiculous. And we forgot to mention one other part, and I'll let you chime in here too. If a 2014 Gamora can be shot into the future to 2023 timeline A, she was dead in that timeline, right. but she's alive now with a version of her past self. Theoretically, you could go grab Tony Stark from 2015 and bring him into 2023, and he's there and he can be with his daughter. There's no consequence for the actions. There's there's no conflict, and that's a big problem. And it's a big problem going forward because the next time they get cornered with a Galactus or a Magneto or whatever's coming next, oh shit, let's just go back in the quantum realm. We Pen can, particle it. We can redo all this because we did it the last time and there was no consequence. Like that, that's not compelling story. I don't know if there's much to respond to with that. I think exactly. It's so obviously not good. Mm. Like, right. Now that you've created this baseline. Mm-hmm. And look, let's not be coy about this. Yeah. Clearly the next Guardians of Galaxy is going to be called The Search for Gamora. Mm-hmm. Like The Search for Spock? Literally. That's gonna. That has to be what that film's going to be. Speaking of Star Trek, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the movie ended and we got all the credits and then the main six original Avengers like autographed their version. Yeah. Have you ever seen Star Trek Six? The uh, what the hell's that one called? I don't even care. It's not the Final Frontier. It might be the Undiscovered Country. Uh, they do that. They do the same thing. The original cast signs their face and then it like just like that. I, I turned do. to my buddy and I was like. Star Trek? Have you seen Star Trek Six? He's like, he's like, did they do that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, ah, I, I, I saw that. Yeah, but, you're right, Jesse. You can bring back any other person you want from the past to the future. Let's go back to real quick, the returning of the Soul Stone. Okay. So, post, you know, movie, mm-hmm. Russo's gave this interview, and they the question was posed, which is what I left the movie saying. Look, if they return the stone, that returns the stole the stone back to to Black Widow. Mm-hmm. They said that no, she's dead and gone, and that didn't reverse that. Mm-hmm. Well, like all of a sudden now, things are not reversible by undoing the past with some event from the future. It's also inconsistent, exactly. And they've also greenlit her own film. And if so, help me God, Jesse, if that movie is a prequel, Budapest, it is. The, of course, it's, it is. It's gonna be Jesus. So like, come on, man. Let me let me mention a couple things real quick, and I can't believe I'm gonna say this because, you know, we've been pretty hard in comments past on DC Comics. 
I can't believe they've done a better version of this. But in DC Comics, there is a multiverse of heroes. Earth 1, Earth 2, yeah, Earth 3. Monitor. Yeah. Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. They've done this same thing, but where it makes sense. And if you don't believe me, go watch season 2 of the Flash television show. Yep. Exactly. yep. They make it happen. Right. I don't know why they didn't just do a version of that. The, the bringing time travel in there with no consequences, again, is not compelling story. Because no. that means you can just get away with everything. Right. So, again, I, I also want to mention another thing. We've talked about this off mic, too. You've played the Marvel Ultimate Alliance video games before. Yeah. Those video games do a pretty cool thing where there's like seven or eight like distinct moments in the game where you get like a choice. And you can go one way or the other way. And at the end of the game, they let you know how that played out. And I remember one one specifically where you have a, ch- uh, a chance to kill a specific character. And if you did that, like, you stopped him from bringing hell upon Earth. But if, in doing so, Mystique killed Professor X in the middle of the night, disbanding the X-Men forever. Like, again... There can't be cause without consequence. Like, every action has an effect. This film kind of says, like, well, no, it doesn't, because we can bring everything, everything back. And that's, I guess that's my biggest takeaway with the film is time travel's tricky. Not explaining the rules is a big misstep on this film's part. But then again, yeah, I can't get behind the conflict because it was done so, so much better in the prior film. And then here it's just kind of like shoehorned in. Now, Matt, I want to give you one more sour mash. I I promised you I had one more. Okay. So I mentioned the parallel universes with Howard Stark's Iron Man and this and that. But let's get away from any time of time and parallel dimensions. What if Infinity War doesn't end with the snap? What if instead a few characters die in that final battle of Wakanda and on Titan? Maybe Drax? Vision? Bucky, Nebula, Banner, Hawkeye, War Machine. I'm willing to see a few of these people go in very tragic ways. Unexpected. And Thanos has all but one stone. Do you want to take a guess what stone that is? Soul? Yes. Gotta be. So, Avengers 4 is all about the chase for the final stone. If this film's all about a time heist and a heist, and they seem to want to be doing heists and Infinity War is about Thanos' heist of the stones, it's the same thing. Who's going to get there first? And damn it, no one knows where the location is, so are the Avengers going to get there first or is Thanos going to get there first? Collectively, Steve and Tony have to come back together because they got to bring it together. Bring Adam Warlock into this damn thing. And don't call it Avengers Endgame. Call this last film Avengers Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. We get rid of the time travel. The people that died in the prior film are dead dead. They're not coming back. Yeah. And we use the remaining characters to stop the Mad Titan from accomplishing his plan. The snap is being backed into a corner and not knowing how to like come out of that. And kind of the fail safe. It was all a dream. The only way to come out of that is to reverse the actions. And that's just complicated. Yeah. I would rather have seen a mad chase for the final stone. And again, if the Avengers want to get it first, one of those big characters is going to have to make the ultimate sacrifice to get it. We have the same moment on the mountain that this film had. Maybe it's Cap. Maybe it's Thor. Maybe we lose someone big in that moment. 
And then uh, the the team comes together, the remaining members, to defeat uh, Thanos on Titan or on uh, Volmir or wherever you want to set that final scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Get the time travel out of this because it's just it's just messy. And I know everyone's into the into the film right now, but let's come back to this conversation about five or seven years. So funny that you said that. That's what someone told me yesterday. I think as I think about this film, they're saying as I thought about this film now. It's not quite as impactful. We saw it twice. Yeah. So I can tell you, I saw it twice. Um, and they were saying, you know, a couple days removed and like the spectacle sort of worn off on me. There's some problems with this movie. And the truth is, I think you and I have outlined them. And I don't really, I'm, there's ways to discuss them. And that's not the story they wanted to tell. And there's oh, yeah. all that kind of, and that's not the story. And that's all fine. But I think. Each of these issues that we brought up presents a possibility that keeps this film from, for me, achieving the same thing that Infinity War did. Mm-hmm. A snap that kills half the universe is just such a big event, it's really hard to outdo that. And they, to be said, it's a market achievement that they that they accomplished it and the story was tied up properly and I gave think everybody that's, a I proper think, end. I, I think that's the reason, too, why this film made so much money was that it's such a cliffhanger. you got to know why, how they get everyone back. No, because I think that's it, Jesse. Like, it's something that, that has to be seen. This to... movie is resting on the laurels of the question posed in the first one. Yes. And the answer is, is okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. But... As a whole story, like if this, if both of these films were pushed together and you sat there in one viewing, yeah, I you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would say, yeah, the second half of that film is better than the first. Mm-hmm. Who, no one would say that, yeah, because it's, it's not, yeah, it's just not. Mm-hmm. It's a completed story, mm-hmm. but it's not a better second half. No, and the the, the half being Thanos says that's that's the half. And again, how we started Happy Hour. Does Return of the Jedi live up to the expectations set up in Empire? And I have to say again, no. When I pose to you, this movie has its own set of Ewoks. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they used Ewoks and not Wookiees is because Ewoks were just more palatable for an audience. Mm -hmm. It's time travel. The Ewoks and time travel is the Ewoks in this film. Yeah. And And again, unfortunately... To some of it, to not, it doesn't totally fail. I'm not no, saying. No, I mean, you and I have been pretty hard on this film. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, we'll be honest about it. But it, like again, it, like, it's you asked me. Did it's I... the entire second act, Jesse. Yeah. It's the entire. It's an hour, and really, all the reacquisition or the, the the time heist, as you like to say. Yeah, that's ninety minutes of this movie. And why is this movie three hours long? Yeah, there's so much going on in it. Does it need to be three hours long? Two thirty, maybe. Yep. Yeah, that'd be perfect length. Like yep. you asked me, did I ever want to walk out in the middle of this? And the answer is no. Of course not. Like I enjoyed. Again, the character moments are done so they're done so well that 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 keeps me me afloat. But I'm I'm with you. Like, you know, does the film stay with you? And as I left the movie after I saw it, I went. I tried to go to bed, and I I, I couldn't go to sleep because I kept thinking about like, well, how did that work out? And how does that make sense? And mm-hmm. how does that play out in the end? And I shouldn't be having to do that for a film if it had told me a straight linear story that explained it and explained its rules thoroughly. Yep. There's a lot shoved in here just to kind of wrap it all up. But I think that's time now more than ever. So Matt, how would you rate Infinity War? And our ratings again are Rotgut. 
call. Let me back up. Rock gut, well, call, single barrel, and top shelf. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I've been going back and forth on this a lot. Mm-hmm. The sheer number of films that are tied up in an appropriate manner is noteworthy. And mm-hmm. th- that's probably understated. It's an immense task that the Russos have been given. Somehow weaving together 22, now 22. I wouldn't films. want this job. This sounds like an Yes, old, you would. It's like an Yes, old, you do. It's you an absolutely, waiting you absolutely want to write this movie. Yeah. We, you know, come on. Yes, we do. But I know what you're saying. Yes. Oh, it's probably it's probably single barrel minus for me. Okay. Um, there's a, like, I think, unfortunately, this sort of gravitated to some of our frustrations. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of really good moments. It's the character stuff that I also really liked. And for all of the busy nature of the final 20 minutes of that sequence, mm-hmm. it mostly was pretty good fisticuffs, although science kind of DC-esque mm-hmm. with maybe not quite as busy a camera. Although some of the fight sequence, especially with the shield and cap wielding Mjolnir at the same time, was very busy camera. Couldn't even see what the hell was going on. Michael Bayish <laughs> yeah. Transformer-ish yeah. in a way. It's single barrel minus. It's way better than an average film. They had an impossible task. They pretty much delivered. We are nitpicking it. Uh, maybe we're not. Maybe we're understating that too. We are being probably a little bit overcritical. And my initial reaction when I left the film was I had a few questions, but I was satisfied. Yeah, yeah. The second viewing was not nearly as enjoyable. I knew it was going to happen, so that was gone, obviously. Mm-hmm. Is there some things they could have done better? I think the single mash of the Mind Stone to either of the two that you pose mm-hmm. to creating your own Infinity Gauntlet to another showdown on Vormir, which, remember, one more thing, I meant to say this. The Red Skull was killed by the Tesseract, mm-hmm. and he ended up on Vormir. Yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility to think that anyone else was killed by the Infinity Stone wouldn't end up on the same planet. Yeah. Ron- so then all you have to do is, Ron- is not bring them back. Just go rescue them. Is Ronan there too? No, right. Go Just go rescue them from Vormir. Right? That was an easy out. We didn't have to time travel. Yeah. There's a whole population sequestered on Vormir. And then like the Red Skull might even be the oppressive asshole. Like, right. Okay. So I'm getting off yeah. on the subject here. It's single single barrel minus. Yeah. Um, that's it. It's single barrel minus. Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm, yeah, single barrel minus. You, where you at? All right, so kind of the same thing. It was the more I thought about this film, the more I kind of like it became like a crux or like a thorn in my side. And I was just like, it's not sitting well. After I saw Infinity War, I was like thoroughly satisfied and I couldn't wait to see like what happened next. Yeah. And this was the conclusion. And, you know, my expectations were astronomical. Maybe that's part of the problem, too. But I knew time travel was going to be a part of it. And me and you have talked at nauseum off mic about the dangers of time travel just as a plot mechanism. Yeah, It's tricky. So I think I'm going to fall in at a bit of a call plus. Wow, okay. And the thing that's giving it a call plus for me, too, is the character moments. Tony's backstory with his daughter and him being content the reinvention of cap and his righteousness you know thor and his you know you know overweightedness and you know the stuff they do with the characters is brilliant i love it i think this is a perfect send-off for the main six yeah 
Yeah. But it's a great conclusion. I think there's a there's too much fan service in this film. So if you haven't seen all 23 films, like you're not going to get every single joke and every single kind of like reference. Right. But if you have, it's going to speak to you. Yeah. But just yeah. because it's fan service and just because it has the moniker of Marvel and Marvel Studios doesn't give you a free pass. <laughs> What's gotten you to this point is telling compelling story from beginning to end with compelling heroes and, a, and and sometimes great villains. I use that term lightly with Marvel. Mostly. But I've seen it done well before with them. Yeah. And I don't think they were firing on all cylinders because, again, an impossible feat yeah. to tie up an impossible tagline. Just go ask Return of the Jedi. He's wellowing over there in the corner, too, because <laughs> no one likes him anymore. I don't like him anymore. He might be the fifth best Star Wars movie, actually. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, call plus. Let, time, let some time... For the dust to settle, Infinity War is the superior film by a mile. And, you know, you want to see how this ties up. I think that's why it's really popular right now, why it's making money, why people are really like on top of it. Want to see I'm going tomorrow to see it again. Maybe maybe I'll see it differently in another light. But, you know, there it's if I can't explain the plot to you in like one or two sentences like I did with Back to the Future. There's, it's too busy. It's there's too much going on. Well, now you're getting into the high conceptedness of the of the film. Sure, sure. And I don't think the Infinity Gauntlet has ever. Actually, the Infinity Gauntlet itself is pretty high concept. Let's raise it up though, real quick. Yeah, let's. I want to salute Kevin Feige, who on X Men was like some like production assistant, associate producer, kind of like a nobody. Who ascended to like be the president of Marvel Studios who concocted this whole thing. And if it wasn't for his vision, we wouldn't have 23 films. Like he's a man that's really stuck to his guns on casting, direction, story, and an eventual endgame, quote unquote, to get to this moment. And it's never been done in film history in a in a franchise series. And the man knows what he's doing, and for everyone wellowing over there at Warner Brothers in DC, the reason you're failing is you don't have a man like Feige to steer the ship. Right. I thought Jeff Johns was going to be the one, but apparently not. So no, apparently not. I got to salute him because the man's got a vision, and he's made a movie that people will go see. Clearly, every time you're watching them, you'll never you're like you're watching them. You're like, I don't, I never want to leave. This isn't the worst thing. It's not Amazing Spider-Man Two. <laughs> it's not like. Batman and Robin, like, you thoroughly enjoy your time there. You find things to like. You find things to nitpick. But it tells a, a story beginning to end to lead to the next thing. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, with that, you just set up the... Uh, the nightcap? The nightcap. And that's what's next. And so with what's next, let's assume for this question the following. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Captain Marvel... Our mainstays. I would technically, based on how much money their films made, like you but can't. I think all of those have movies coming too, right? Yeah. So yeah. We could be wrong in that, but let's just say that. Our new Avengers lineup. So there's the three. I'll give you three more. Okay. Okay. Who do you want? I actually kind of. Li- or you want four more? How many you want? I want three. Okay, three more. I actually kind of like my lineup. Okay. I gotta throw Spider Man in there. I like what Tom Holland's doing with the character. Again, like. When are you going to get back to swinging through New York? Because you're like all over the place right now. But I like his portrayal of the character. He's got to be in there. Because he brings your kind of like science-y kind of nerdy element that like Banner's going to leave out. 
Uh, I want I want Hawkeye in there too. If I'm gonna bring any of the mainstays back, I don't want Thor. I don't want Hulk. I want I kind of want this this Hawkeye who's kind of had this resurgence in him to do the right thing after everything's been taken from him to kind of give back a little bit, especially after Black Widow being gone too. I think there's some more to be told there. And then the last one, and I got to poach it from the Guardians. I want Rocket in this lineup as well. I think Rocket brings a humorous, spacey, science fictiony element into your Avengers lineup that is good for some comedic relief and also for your science techie. So if you if you had the techie element of Stark and Banner, you can have that with Parker and Rocket. Like that could be great. Yeah, you're right. You're getting you're getting some great elements with Doctor Strange. You're getting some great the, the regal atmosphere of Black Panther, and honestly, you know, I know you got some issues with Captain Marvel, and I don't want to get into all of that, but a lot of issues with Captain. Yeah, okay, let's, 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 but get the right writer and director attached to that character, and flesh out the elements that can make that the cosmic element of the Marvel universe. And I, yeah, I turn her into Warbird, and she might be cool. Yeah, I, I just think you know, just kind of you know, th- there's. That's my lineup, and I, I like think you could, you could do some fun things with it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think that's a good one. And again, we can touch on the Kree Scroll War. We can do Secret Invasion. We can do Civil War Part Two. We can do Kang the Conqueror. That was the other thing I didn't say. If you were going to fuck up the timeline so much in this film, you could have at least introduced Kang in the post credit sequence. Like, he's all about time. Yeah. Through your time branching, you created this thing whatever <laughs> oh okay so to that yeah the in, the post-credit sequence is sound in this right mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh that's the sound of tony building his suit of armor in the cave in yeah. the cave what if it's not jesse yeah what if it's, that's doom mm-hmm. what if that's doom building his i house? wish no no maybe they've got it's got to go to a larger hole a bigger baddie next so nothing that feige has laid his hands on has been given to us the way it initially was presented so it's very very apropos for this to be the same kind of thing like oh that's the sound send off for iron man are you sure because we pretty much gave that guy a really fucking great send off at the end of that film does he need another one yeah i know it's the closing of the chapter of the avengers as iron man's Mm -hmm. unit but isn't it also the opening of another baddie that we've got to take down i'm telling you i would hope i would hope so because you know, I've spoken to this with you before. You know, I Doctor Doom is maybe one of my. He might be at the top of the list of my favorite Marvel villains. villains. Yeah, me too. The look, the motivation, you know what he can bring into it, cosmic, earthly, like, yeah. So let me give you mine, but it's actually four. But even though it's four, it's really only three. Okay. <clears throat> I'm gonna keep the Scarlet Witch. Okay. Because I think she provides an element of unstable that sort of rivals Tony Stark at times in that film. Okay. I'm going to give you the Ant-Man and the Wasp because they kind of have to go hand in hand. Sure. And it also sort of allows you access to um, Henry Pym. Yeah. And that's kind of the scientific element that this team would be lacking because I'm not going to include the Hulk. Yeah. And this one's going to kind of freak you out a little bit. Recently... Is it Quasar? No. <laughs> no. Photon. Okay. Recently, Disney acquired the rights to the X-Men. Okay. And this team is lacking a powerhouse. So the X-Men includes 
a specific mutant that is the like rival of a DC movie that just made an absolute fortune. Okay. It's Namor. It opens up oh, the sea. Oh, sweet. It yeah. opens up the sea. Yeah. And we haven't had him yet. And that could and like that character is a hot disaster mess in the comics. Oh, yeah. Outside of him trying to pursue Sue Storm. But then what you get is, mm-hmm. does Namor go rogue? And now we can work in the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. I think Namor is a perfect linchpin mm-hmm. to bring all of this together. And he is a powerhouse. Yeah. Like that guy is a bad dude. So... Um, the Submariner. They've been trying to make that movie for decades. Right. So Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm going to keep Scarlet Witch. We'll yeah. see. That's just that's more personal. Than yeah, me. maybe they can get into more of her or more of her mutant lineage now that they've acquired the X-Men rights now. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And so then you work in Namor with that. Like, that's a very interesting Avengers team. Yeah. Because the one thing that, like, when you lose Thor, you lose... And I know that Captain Marvel is going to try to sort of take the place of, like... Just so much power. I think Captain Marvel represents the cosmic element of the Marvel Universe. That of which represents the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think, you know, Black Panther represents, you know, that regal kingly kind of Thor. Yeah, no, he would sort of by default be the leader. Yeah, and, and, you know, Doctor Strange then opens up this kind of like mystic realm of time and space and, you know, sarcasm. He's kind of a bit Tony Stark, too. Right. Yeah. Bit of an ego. Yeah. And I mean, the reason that I, I chose the three is because they have movies announced. Yeah. I mean, we've heard, you know, sequels no, for all three of those. Yeah. So it seems like it kind of makes sense that those would be the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know how you're going to argue with Ant-Man and, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp because both those movies killed too. And that is part of this. I'm surprised you didn't pick Spider-Man. I, I, I don't see that happening. And like, I'm still from an era where Spider-Man... Is more. This is gonna sound crazy, mm-hmm. but I I'm from an era where Spider-Man is more Fantastic Four at times than he ever was Avengers. Sure. Like, are we gonna bring in Wolverine too? Because technically, he became an Avenger. Well, as well, I gotta be completely honest honest with you too. Like, I like Spider-Man more within the confines of his New York crime fighting than I do with him like in Secret Wars getting the black suit. Like, I'm not about that. I like yeah. the smaller stories. Yeah. So, yeah, those are pretty good. I'd like to see what we have coming next. Like, allegedly, Spider-Man Far From Home, the next is the final... Final chapter in Phase 4? Phase 3. Oh, Phase 3. Yeah. So maybe his end credit sequence will lead us in a direction of what's coming next. Well, they've also teased out the 6. I mean, I don't know if the Sinister 6 is big enough for the Avengers to take on. It has to be... Huge. It has to be... Huge. It has to be Doom. But I think I'm... I'm, What about Annihilus? No. Okay. What are you bringing Beta Ray Bill in here too? Like, what is this? Well, you know, I, I hadn't thought about Kang. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's good, it but does like, make sense. here's the thing too. Like, don't get crazy because you just Thanos is about as big as it can get. Go smaller. Doom's perfect for that. It, like, going bigger is ideally Galactus, but it's it's, yeah. too, it's too big. And then you bring the Silver Surfer into it, and it gets a little messy. Here's the villains that we know that have been announced coming forward. Yeah. The, the Mysterio who might be good that goes bad in Far From Home. That's bullshit. And then what I read is Nightmare in Strange 2. Okay. And then the return of Killmonger in Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm. Like he confirmed like, no, I'm in this movie. Now, if it's just maybe in a, a token appearance. But yeah. he's married to, um, is it, who the hell is he married to? Anyway, he spoke through her saying okay. whatever his, whoever whatever anyway um 
he's he's back too. So um, those um, are your next three. I don't know if any of those have a huge scope. Like Mysterio's cool. But Again, keep the scope contained. I mean, this was huge. Make it manageable. But all those guys can be the envoy of a larger, big, like a bigger baddie. Like sure. the way Ronan or Loki was an envoy of Thanos. Yeah. You know, and I could just... I mean, are we moving towards... Adam Warlock could be the bad guy too if you really wanted him to. That They've got to tie, do something with that in Guardians. That's got to show up again in Guardians. Mm-hmm. They haven't announced the villain for that yet. Nope. Excellent. A lot to talk about. Uh, this has been by far our longest episode, but rightly so. I mean, this 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 story in Avengers Endgame is completely loaded. We got going. We didn't even stop for sound. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Like you could just hear us ramble on and jumping into the quantum realm because it's it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. But uh, so this is the end of with great power part one. We got to come back to this cask. Maybe in maybe in the fall. I don't know what's really coming out then. But man, we 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 didn't tackle batman we haven't tackled superman or the x-men like there's some stuff to tackle there that warrants discussion for sure yeah so matt why don't you uh let the listeners know what is coming next we want to do something that was a little different and i don't know how this is exactly going to fly with our summer season that's approaching but we'll find a way to work it the next cask that we're going to do is one that's called Love is spelled with an X, and that's E-X instead of X. Mm-hmm. And so this is the quirky, romantic uh, film. I know a lot of you are like, Ugh. I promise <clears throat> you this will not be When Harry Met Sally or Serendipity. This is not going to be that. Or Made in Manhattan. And if you've listened, yeah, exactly. If you've listened to some of the previous podcasts, you've probably been alluded to our post-credit sequence on what might be coming in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. So... So, yeah, I think we got, um, let's just say it right now, you know, we ragged on him pretty hard last week, rightly so, but it might be a different tune coming next week. We got 500 Days of Summer, uh, directed by Mark Webb, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. A really quietly, you know, I don't know how much money it grossed, I'll look that up in, in between the weeks, but... That film is clicking on a lot of different cylinders, and it's all about a breakup. It's your unconventional love story. So I can't wait to get into that. We're gonna. It's the summer movie season. You know, next week uh, we got we got in coming weeks we got John Wick, Aladdin, Godzilla, uh, X Men. You know, maybe we'll get into some of those, but let's tone it down a little bit from that and give you some stuff you might not have seen before. Yeah. So excellent. So raise them up, Matt. Raise up, Jesse. I already saluted Kevin Feige, but while we're here, let's salute Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Jeremy Renner, and, you know, all the other people involved with these movies, Zachary Levi, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. You know, you brought these characters Matt and I have been reading for decades to life, and it's been, I think, an absolute pleasure to see them play out on the big screen. Some better than others, but... I never thought I'd be living in a world where I would say, yeah, there's an Ant-Man movie coming out, or yeah, there's a Black Panther thing. Like, that sounds absurd. I'm going to give one more that's really important. Yeah. And I'm going to raise it up to specifically Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Because I know you laugh, but if Blade's never made, Mm -hmm. Marvel never comes back from bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. and we're never having this conversation. Exactly. That is a shockingly important film that we will never talk about, because we're not. It's Blade. (laughs) 
But I'm raising it up for all parties involved with Wesley Snipes and the Blade. Click to hear. Click to the listeners. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Podbean, YouTube. We're on YouTube now. Stitcher Radio. Tune in. And, you know, subscribe to us. Leave us comments. Leave us reviews. It only helps us get better. It helps spread the traction. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Get engaged with the conversation. You think me and Matt are full of shit on Avengers Endgame? Let us know. Yep. Let's have a conversation about it. Message us. Let's let's talk it out. But until next time, unfortunately, I think we have to be getting into the quantum realm to get back to reality, Matt. So, everybody, one final time for this cask is uh, we'll see you in the dark. Exactly. I hope my wife's still there. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And be sure to leave us an email at riasmileproductions at gmail.com. Avengers Endgame is property of Marvel Studios and Walt Disney Pictures, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could.